You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 204 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the barn studio, as always this week, in charge of all things tech, it's Mr. Matt Smith. I'm a broken man. We've only just started. I mean, I don't know what else to say. You all right there, Matt? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not he's having, he's I've, having got my, <laughs> my, I've got my head in my hands and we haven't even started yet. Uh, anyway, it's yes. Busy, it's a busy, busy show. Yes, it is. And uh, yes. not joining us this week, unfortunately, because he is on, again, he's on royal duties uh, with, uh, with, the, with the royal family here in the UK. Uh, Sir Neville Bounds, he sends his, uh, his uh, well, his, his uh, you know, Love, love yeah. to everyone. Let's go old school. Yeah, I love old school. He uh, he can't join us tonight, but uh, I think he did Yay. dip into the chat Stop room. It. <clears throat> he did dip into the chat room to say hello to everyone. Um, but yeah, he's he's at some swanky party this evening, right, apparently absolutely. somewhere in London. Yes. Um, but London? we, well, I think so. He's in Edinburgh. Oh, Edinburgh. Okay, it's near enough. <laughs> so it's near enough. London's there and Edinburgh's there. It's, it's near enough. Yeah, it's only a plane right between. Edinburgh them. has a London airport, doesn't it? Probably. Yeah, it's probably London Edinburgh. But also joining us here in the barn studio, he is. When you say Neb's on royal duties, you don't mean he's at Her Majesty's pleasure. Al, would you wait until I bring you in, please? Anyway, moving swiftly on, joining us also in the barn studio this week is the king of Harpjet. It's obviously the man, the legend that is Owen. Hey guys, how are things? <laughs> you alright, Owen? <laughs> He's thinking, I, I shouldn't have, well, I should I have should said have yes to Matt. <laughs> how are things with you, uh, Owen? Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Um, Been anywhere glamorous this week? No, uh, I was in Marrakesh earlier in the week. Oh, really? Yeah, that was uh, beautiful weather for the 25 minutes I was there. Oh, okay. Uh, that, all 25 that quick minutes. turnaround. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Were you able to buy a carpet and some cheap T-shirts? <laughs> <laughs> and get ripped off? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I'll, I'll have yes. you know, they were Nick T-shirts and Adidas T-shirts he got, <laughs> by the way. Anyway, we have got uh, two more guests joining us on Skype this evening. And uh, our first, uh, or first guest uh, are we, joining are us. Are we not bothering with the other person in our studio? We save the best to last. Oh, I see. My apologies. So joining okay. us via Skype, he is uh, the safe jet legend. That is Pilot Pip. Hello, everybody. Good evening. <laughs> We, there we oh, that's there all for Pip. <laughs> Pip, I must say that is some fancy artwork behind you. I know, that's gorgeous, isn't it? I, I did that myself just did before you? the show Here's started. Here's one I knocked up earlier. Yes. Into a box of crayons. How are, how are things with you, Pip? How are things with you? How's the, uh, how's the flying going? Are you in the yeah, phenom well. now, or are you still in the hawk? Uh? No, the phenom, phenom. Uh, yeah, pretty well. I'm in Bratislava this evening. Had quite a busy day. Started in Stockholm this morning, went up into the Arctic to some place called Corona, Corona, something like that. Mm, nice beer. And um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, flew down here. So that's going well. But I had a really nice flight in my little uh, PA28 earlier this week. <gasps> hey! Yay! Nice. Took the kids across to uh, Welshpool in um, Al's homeland in Welsh, uh, Wales. Yeah. And we had a very nice day out at uh, Powys Castle next to Welshpool Airport and then flew back. It was great. And did you manage to bring the aircraft back in one piece this time? 
Yeah, hardly anything fell off this time. Right. <laughs> okay. okay. And there's, the, there's a story for later on in the, the show, other, clearly. The other um, voice of reason there is uh, who's joining us this week as well via Skype. And uh, it's, uh, well, I should say it, it's the hinge to Pip's bracket. He's also, he's, he's been a regular <laughs> guest, I think, on oh, the Point oh, Safety podcast. <laughs> It's, uh, that sounds painful. Uh, you can get a cream for that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's our king of Airbus as well. It's, Would that uh, be Captain... a lubricant cream? No, no. moving on. <laughs> moving on. Anyway, it's Captain Al. Well, welcome, greetings, Mr. Al. How are you? Shindobri, comrades. Oh, I beg your pardon. Ooh, very good. <laughs> and uh, for the benefit of everyone who didn't join us half an hour ago in the chat room, uh, Al, whereabouts are you in the world this evening? Yeah, I'm in Katowice in Poland. Um, I'm sorry about the lack of video. Uh, primarily caused by a lack of lighting in the in the hotel room. It's a nice hotel, but it's one of those hotels that's gone for the you know the energy Mood. saving lighting uh, <laughs> fitment, lighting. which means yeah. that it's dark as hell in here. Right. <laughs> and uh, soon as soon as daylight went about twelve hours ago. Right. Um, yeah, the, the, you kind of you, you're just stuck yeah. with the voice, really. That's that's, um, that's more than enough. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, quite, because you can't see what I'm wearing, which is probably a bonus. Okay, right. <laughs> okay. And how's, how's, the, uh, how's the flying going, Al? Fantastic. I went up to uh, Stavanger uh, this morning and uh, was back in the, in the uh, I was going to say the hospital, and it's not quite that bad, the hotel. <laughs> uh, wow, that could, eh? <laughs> so uh, I managed to get my day done before breakfast had finished in the, uh, in the hotel, which is always a good trick. Yeah, mm, I like definitely. it. Yeah. Definitely the way forward. <laughs> so, also joining us here, and we thought we'd save the best till last. Uh, joining us here in the barn studio, she's come all the way, f well, across the um, across the, the river. As the, such. Across the, the pond. river. Well, it's not the pond, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's Carlos. Like... I'm beginning to see why why you've had issues with the PPL with the <laughs> geographical. <laughs> <laughs> London oh. being near. Anyway, Edinburgh. where's the mute button for those two? <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it's the amazingly beautiful. It's Myla. Hello, hello. Yay! Yay. Thank you for having me, everyone. And Look, nice Myla's in the PTUK Bard Studio. It's amazing. And for Fantastic. you guys at, at home listening to the podcast, I got a t-shirt with a cat and pizza on it, and it was a gift <laughs> from Carlos, and I'm really very proud of it. It's, Thank it, you. It's, it's, it's it. one of your weirdest gifts, I've got to I think honest. it's an awesome <laughs> gift. I, I, it's it's, it's uh, the best gift. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> the t-shirt, as I say, as, as Marley was saying, for those of you listening to the audio version of this show, Marley is wearing a t-shirt that basically has a picture of a cat that doesn't completely unresemble Poppycat, I think it's fair to say. No, I think she she, that quite, actually does look, look very, very much like Poppycat. Like mm -hmm. And um, Poppycat is eating pizza whilst in space? Oh no, it's headphones. And Sorry, headphones. I thought it was... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I have actually taught Poppy to do that with headphones and everything. It's very... Um, right, right. Yeah. Okay, good. Anyway, uh, should we do some aviation? Yeah, I know. Well, uh, a big uh, welcome to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room this evening. Loads of people in the chat room. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Steffs in the chat room, First Officer Mike, Richard Adams, Philip Davis, Mariana, Graham Haley, uh, Flyboy1, Lane Street. Uh, where are you? Uh, Mariana, have I missed anyone? Oh, Shorty. Shorty Crosgrove. Hello, Shorty. Uh, we've got Owen. Owen's in the chat room. Is he? Graham <laughs> Haley. <laughs> Never uh, he sounds like a right dodgy character. Richard Philip Davis. <laughs> Hello, Richard King, Philip Davis, and hopefully I haven't missed anyone out. Uh, I think uh, Mike was in at one point. I think Mike was was, was, was slightly um, in the uh, chat room. I think at some point today. Uh, but Steph, apparently Steph is uh, joining us whilst driving. So hopefully she's got the Bluetooth on uh, while she's listening to us. And uh, also we've got Neville Bounds in and out of the chat room, keeping an eye on things. Just making sure that. Oh, we're hello, doing Evan Shue, and Evan Shue's oh, just dropped good. in. 
Very good. And so is Micah. Oh, what, so that they've got the internet of Wormwood Scrubs, have they? How's that possible now? <laughs> He's not at Her Majesty's pleasure. He's no. entertaining Her Majesty. It's very difficult. Oh, right. Yeah. I see. <laughs> okay. So it is February the 16th, and uh, just come up to 20 past 8 in the evening here in the UK. A very cold UK. It is quite Indeed. Chilly, the weather's been yeah. incredibly cold this week. But yeah. uh, we've got loads of news stories. But it's not as cold as Poland. No, probably not, Al. No, no, probably <laughs> not. Trump but, card. Yes. <laughs> but we have uh, we have got loads of news stories to get through this week, and we've also got a segment from Nev. Nev has sent through a yes. passenger experience segment for this week's show, yes. so that's coming mm. up later on. Uh, and also, especially for oh, Captain Al, some time with the warder, did he? <laughs> especially for <laughs> Captain Al, as he's been such a good boy, we've got a military segment this week as oh, well. Oh, good! I'm so pleased. Oh, terrific! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would make him happy. Yes, yes, you've officially made his day. Get the toilet uh -huh. seat warmed up. I'm coming <laughs> to it. <laughs> so we are going to start the show then, as we? we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world. Has it started? And yeah. uh, and the. <laughs> UK, you do have to spoil it. So if we're all ready, <laughs> yeah, we're ready, yeah, we're ready. Yeah. let's go. Yeah, indeed. So kicking off this week's first news story. Apologies, this... ladies and gentlemen, for any weird sound things. Carlos has forgotten how to operate his sound computery thingy. I don't normally have this many knobs to turn. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, indeed. So... <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. Anyway, this, uh, this the first story, shush everyone, okay, the first news story is on the uh, Forbes.com website. Didn't we have the Forbes.com website loads last week? I think week we were sponsored the by them last yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, the first story that was on the Forbes, and it's uh, Norwegian uh, Air, the world's best long-haul, low-cost airline. So Norwegian Airlines, which bills itself as the world's best long-haul, low-cost airline, certainly lives up to its slogan. Indeed, while some will be quick to judge the airline based on its extremely low fares that offers um, where they would only need to be a passenger on, on its, one of its overseas flights to realise that flying Norwegian is an excellent experience, obviously because they use Has Boeing. Been written by their marketing For starters, the average <laughs> age the average age of a Norwegian uh, aircraft is only 3.6 years old. It uses brand new Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners for many of its long-haul flights, uh, which are obviously quieter and faster than uh, any other Airbus product. And Norwegian uh, long-hauls are also serviced oh, by Boeing 737 MAX <laughs> aircraft. <laughs> Uh, visit the website and you'll see a tool that other airlines have long neglected to include uh, called What Is Your Budget? That's quite a good option to have on a website, isn't it? What's your budget? The sliding tool can be moved so from 100... So what happens if you say a fiver? You're, 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 you're <laughs> not going to get fired a fiver. with tears coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Emoji with tears. Yeah, laughing. Yeah, actually laughing. So apparently if you slide the bar, you'll see one-way fares from your select, selected airport to destinations with fares that match your budget. For example, when the tool is set to $100, the results from New York's JFK Airport include such destinations as Bergen um, for one of the low cost, which is $89, uh, which is for March. So how close to where you actually want to be is yeah. Bergen? Uh, <laughs> uh, they've got uh, $99, here we go, one for you, and $99 for a one-way low cost fare to Dublin in February. Uh, March and April, you can get a $59.50 low fare to Martinique. 
that's uh, France, I think, uh, yeah, in March. Of uh, Return fares might not always be as inexpensive, but the case of a return flight from Bergen to Norway, or Bergen-Norway, the fares range from $131 to... Uh, Martinique to... is now in France. Oh, shush. <laughs> Fort de France. Is there, is there a big river near it? <laughs> <laughs> Very close. Yeah. Oh, so the biggest bargains, however, are the flex fares that allow name changes and rebookings without a fee and are fully refundable. Uh, changes to date, time and destinations are also um, allowed up to 30 minutes before scheduled departure. That's quite good. Um, changes can be made to another flight when availability within the same ticket price is on offer. While changes are free of charge, there is a price difference that must be paid if changing the destination from a direct to a connecting flight. Um, so it's uh, it's good. I haven't. I'm, I one of these airlines. I'd love to try myself, Norwegian. But uh, I, do they fly? They fly from Stan. They don't fly from Stan. So do it's just Gatwick, isn't it? In no, the UK, in Norwegian. UK. Yeah, but um, I take it none of you two have flown Norwegian. Uh, Pip and Al? No. Uh, no, I haven't flown Norwegian or Norwegian. Norwegian? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Norfolk accent? Yeah, it's the Norfolk again? accent, accent right? playing okay, up. <laughs> well, I've Sorry, I had to get off my chest for years. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard they're better than Safejet anyway. <clears throat> oh, hello. Of course they're <laughs> right, not. Going. It's a private. <laughs> I can't compare <laughs> What about you, Myla? Oh, Norwegian? No. Never. No, never flown Sorry. Norwegian. Owen? Nope, no, no. I was considering right, We'll put that one on the, on the ticket list for this year then. What, Norwegian? Yeah, we'll yeah. go somewhere. Where are we going? Anywhere we can else? go and see the Aurora Borealis. They go Borealis. to Singapore. <laughs> right, it's a bit, well, little bit They do, that would be Gatwick nice. Singapore. Yeah, we'll go to Singapore. <laughs> wow, that's um... uh, Gatwick, Buenos Aires. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, quite good. a good one. Yeah. They yeah. do good steaks there. Right, I like steak. Steak is good. Yeah. And on that note of food, <laughs> as it were. so anyway. <laughs> the next story uh, is not actually a uh, a certain Ryanair story this week. For <gasps> no. Because there wasn't any juicy enough ones this week, so uh, I picked another one for Matt. What, not even a nice story. No. Well, this story <laughs> this story is actually specially for uh, wow. Brian is, Coleman. Is it? Oh, mm. right. Okay. Mind you, this is my, my second most favourite hated whatever you want to call it, airline anyway. The airline you love yeah. to hate. <laughs> the, airline, yeah. the airline you love to hate. The airline you love to hate. This is it. So this is uh, United Airlines. So I'm trying to work out what the... Uh, so it's LA Times, is it? Is that what it's on? The LA oh, Times. the Los Angeles Times. Yes, that's right. So United Airlines tests new boarding process at Los Angeles International Airport. Uh, United Airlines, the third largest carrier at Los Angeles International Airport, has started trying out a new way to board passengers that might cut back on confusion and frustration. We've been testing different processes and soliciting feedback to find a more customer-friendly boarding method that also helps employees. The airline said in a statement adding that LAX was selected for the test because it had good, a good mixture of aircraft and travellers. In the past, the Chicago-based carrier directed passengers at the airport terminals to queue up to five different lanes before the... <laughs> I'm Am I up? keeping someone up? <laughs> We're invited to board. Under the test, which started earlier this month uh, and will last 30 days, uh, United will still assign air travellers to five different groups, but the other lost control, everyone. It's all gone horribly wrong. Uh, but the airline so I didn't create... realise it was that obvious, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, fair point. Yes. Uh, but the airline will create only two lanes in the boarding area instead of five. Group one will board through the first lane and group two will board through 
the second lane. Once those passengers are on the plane, groups three, four, five will then be called in order to board through the second lane, uh, leaving the first lane open for any latecomers from the first two groups, United said. The new process will reduce the congestion around the boarding area by asking most flyers to remain seated while others are boarded or getting on the plane. The, <laughs> getting off no, the it plane. won't. It won't. No. The, the, no. Other airlines use this system. It's just a shambles because everyone just goes to the gate. And they go, no, 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 you're group two. Well, can I get on? No, no, you're group two. So then they go back and then they come back again. No, you're group two. No, you're group three. It's just a complete shambles. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And asking people to uh, remain seated while others are are boarding or getting off the... um... Getting off the aircraft? They're never that's, gonna do that's that in not a million gonna years, happen. are they? No, <laughs> they're going to pay no attention to that whatsoever. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm flying with, uh, with Ryanair in about three weeks' time, so I've already put my towel down at the gate. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, very good. <laughs> you can reserve them sunbeds now. Yeah, well, yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. $20 or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, those lane things never do work, because I've been to stand The, the only way that these, these, this boarding strategy will work, is different airlines have tried all of these group things, but do it now yeah. and it, it's simple you just give the gate agents guns and they say if you come too early oh, we controversial you. Okay? statement <laughs> well, you heard first, it here from Val first you introduce it in but, Japan and then see if it works there and right. if it works yeah, then if you it works can in take Japan, it here it'll be fine. yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is true yeah no but it doesn't though like that, that one at, I mean Ryanair have this one at Stansted with the priority lane and the and the you know the peasant lane, whatever. The priority lane and the peasant. Well, lane. you know what I mean. It's the <laughs> wow. <laughs> the okay. yeah. It's a bit of a blackout, a kind of uh, style. Right. Okay. Fair but enough. They, and and I've been there a million times when and because it stands at a certain gates, so you have to walk to the aircraft. You don't get a bus or anything. You walk out. <laughs> that's. Yeah, I would that's, imagine that's pretty much every most every low-cost yeah. carrier but, but that ever exists. That's, that's how many, time, how many times have they let both lanes go at the same time? So you've paid your extra to get on the aircraft first, and you you end up getting on with all the I don't you know agree the rabble. You, uh, it's I happened. It happens. I disagree with you on there. In my experience, when I've done Ryanair or EasyJet, priority or boarding, uh, and I've never done priority boarding, <gasps> and they've always gone for no because I'm too tight. Okay. I don't want to get on the damn aeroplane in the first place. So <laughs> I'm certainly not going to pay to get on it in a hurry. <laughs> anyway, yes. Sorry. Apparently, uh, Dr. Steph has pointed out quite rightly that Japan is a very orderly com- uh, country to begin with. So they'll with do anyway. as they're told. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if it works there, you know, let, let's try it on us dodgy Europeans, see how right. that works. That yeah. <laughs> it won't. It won't. It doesn't work. Never mind. William, Hard- William Hardcastle in the chat room said that we always pay priority now when we fly with Chavair. Chavez. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I like it. I like <laughs> that. Uh, yes. Mind you, he's from Hull, to be fair. So I mean, it's yeah. it's predominant. You know, it's, uh, is there anything but a Chavez in Hull? Oh, I don't know. No, that must dear. be Jet. I'm upset, everyone. Oh, don't ask Carlos. He doesn't even know where Hull is, let alone anything else. <laughs> One of those horrible pop-up. It's adverts. probably across the river. It's in Martinique. No, no, that's really not good. That's, an right ad- that's one of those annoying adverts on one of those websites. Anyway. That's very professional, uh, Carlos. Well done. Move, moving move on, everyone. Down, <laughs> is Owen next, is he? Owen's I next, yeah. Right, okay. um, I'm having trouble with the MacBook. Oh, dear. Oh, really? Oh. I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything, Matt. <laughs> okay, I'm right. not saying anything. Okay. Yeah, all right. Milo, if you take this story. All right, then, it's then from we'll... the Express, and it reads... Flight Secrets, the world's most luxury airline revealed. A recent show aired on Channel 4, the world's most luxurious airline, has given viewers an insight in how in how the other half flies. If you like the finer things in life, then Singapore Airline lavished 380 planes 
were made with you in mind. Okay, unveiling their next luxury flight class suites, the recent show aired on Channel 4 gave viewers a glimpse inside the world's most, most luxurious airline, costing a whooping, whooping, <laughs> all right, whooping. sorry, <laughs> I give up, this one's for Owen. No. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you, has it loaded yet, Owen? No, it no. Has, no. Okay. no. <laughs> I'm working on the next story. <laughs> carry on, carry on, Myla, costing a whopping right. 350. 350 million pounds to refurbish this fleet of five planes is worlds apart from the cramped and sometimes chaotic conditions usually associated <laughs> with economy class thank you for <laughs> Sorry the sound effect yeah absolutely so we've got a really annoying video that just keeps starting every time you open it it's obviously very adamant that it must be seen. That's no way to talk about plain talk in UK. <laughs> now look, <laughs> there's no need for that. Yeah. No, if anyone's, uh, anyone is watching in the UK and saw this show, which was on Channel 4, I think it was this week it was on Channel 4, and they uh, covered um, Singapore Airlines, the new cabin rollout they're doing on the A380s. It was, uh, it was quite nice, I will say that. Very, very nice cabins indeed. But it's, uh, it's amazing to see what goes into making one of these you know these first class suites mm. because after they'd installed it they had one problem with the cabin which was a latch oh, really? to hold the bed up <laughs> and that wow. was that that was a major major a little sort of hiccup they had issue, yeah, uh, which they fixed in the end but um they i think they're a bit too expensive Myla, to fly on these uh, you know for <laughs> well if you fly them as a pilot then they're good well, yeah, if you're flying as a pilot, yeah, the 380, yeah. Yeah, fair point, yes. Ooh. Obviously, if you're, if you're a, a you know, proper pilot and one of these big guns, like a Mr. Alan Pip, right. you know, one of these big top guns here, on about, you know, millions of pounds a year, they, are, they right. can fly okay. first class all <laughs> the time. Isn't that right, Al? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, good. Uh, but I've said it once, I'll say it again. The best seat in the aircraft is the pilot seat. You know. yeah, they should call that 1A. That I should be, yeah, 1A. <laughs> yeah, 1A and B. Yeah, indeed. Okay, who's okay. taking the next story? Owen, okay, have you got I'll take, I have got the next story. He's got the next story. Okay, all right. So well, you finally got it up. Well right. done, that man. <laughs> <laughs> Worrying when he's only 21. But anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's in the prime of his life. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is why, that's why it's so disappointing. Anyway, no. The, um, <laughs> This is from the national. <laughs> the okay. and uh, this says flight go, uh, flight to nowhere. Japan <laughs> airline introduces VR trips without ever leaving the ground. In Japan, you can jump on a plane. Oh and take my god! Virtual... What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> virtual reality trips to Paris, Rome, and Why? New York. Fasten your seatbelts, everyone, for a flight departing to Paris and never Why leave the ground. Why do you need ground. a seatbelt? You're in a VR lab. <laughs> <laughs> That's. So I'm just doing what I'm just sort of there's, jumping there's the gun with that. pictures actually. Yeah, is there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> have you ever been in a VR lab? It's actually quite scary. I went in one the other day. And, and, well, I mean, I... Oh, oh, we lost him. Oh, <laughs> Al's gone. It was really, really scary. <laughs> yeah. So scary we lost him. I don't know what yeah. happened there. Have we lost both it, of them? It was so we? scary that uh, Al disappeared. Uh, but carry on, uh, Owen. <laughs> right, oh. well... That's exactly what 12 passengers did at First Airlines in central Tokyo this week, where they relaxed in first and business class seats and were served four-course meal before immersing themselves in 360-degree virtual realities of the City of Lights sites. Um, a, real, uh, a real trip is a hassle to prepare for and expensive and takes time. So I think it is good that we can all enjoy this hassle-free, said Takashi uh, Sakano. 39, who was on his first VR trip, adding that he wanted to, quote-unquote, travel 
to Rome next time. At 6,600 yen, which is... Uh, that's... I assume that's roughly 60... What? I don't know. I think that's about 60, my, my 70 exchange rates euros. Are not great. Um, How much is that in Schlotties? <laughs> in Zloty, that would be, what, 400 Zloty? Oh. Okay. That's not the answer anybody was expecting. Um, <laughs> no. That's that nearly silenced me, I'll be honest. That's <laughs> yes, the actual um, facts. So, <laughs> Flyboy in the, in the chat room is asking, what is the point? Has anybody figured that one out? Yeah, I, I can't see the point of, like, what? having a virtual flight. Here's what fly. the airline says. It says, we have a lot of elderly customers who want to go overseas but are not able to easily, given their physical limitations, um, said a spokesman for the airlines. So possibly that's a, a one market for them, but that's I a very different... Hey, I've just thought of another market. They can be like a virtual reality queue up at immigration for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder do they have to go through virtual reality security. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit strange. Oh, virtual reality passport control at Stansted, where you get there with ten flights arriving and one one person yeah, there. Yeah. And one of the E gates open and that's it, yeah. I mean the food and everything looks lovely. I'm popping the pictures up as, it, it as moved, one of the pictures off, actually shows the the attend or the the flight crew showing them how to put life jackets on. In a, in, a, in a VR <laughs> In a virtual reality. You know, she's it, actually standing in a box. It, it's in case you're somewhere in the world where, where flooding is likely. Um, it's just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. VR flights. There we go. That, that, that You heard it here first. I think it's brilliant, actually. Do you? Go on, then. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, okay. genuinely, Explain. I really do. I mean, the, the whole bit about going into an aeroplane is a bit superfluous. You, I don't know why you'd do that, but... You know, being able to go and visit a, a city through the medium of virtual reality. Yeah, why not? It's brilliant. It's you know, straight out of Blade Runner or something. Yeah, no, I I definitely for someone who, who can't well, really... I mean, like, Pip's got a point there, because I suppose you could, like, get your virtual reality headset on and say, like, we're going to go to Edinburgh, and then get on a bus and you can pretend you're on an aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, do, I, I can see You can see be what... sat there on your National Express going... Oh, I wonder when the stewardess is going to come the duty free so along. <laughs> okay. I mean, no, I, I can see why somebody would want to have a tour, uh, say, of a nice city. Do you know what I mean? And have a virtual reality tour. Because, say, for example, if you are elderly or infirm and you're not able to get on an aeroplane and fly to Singapore, you might still want to immerse yourself in the culture and get a feel for it. And, you know, I can understand why you'd want to go there and maybe you could have, like authentic meals that are cooked for you while you're there so that you can have a, mm. literally a taste test of whatever. Then the virtual reality can be used for you to have a walk around, you know, even have a walk down the Great Wall of China or something like Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I, I get why that would work. But the whole idea of getting on an aeroplane, pretending to get on an aeroplane... <laughs> it's very uh, Japanese. It's very strange. <laughs> it's yeah. very it's Japanese. very strange. Indeed. It just gives the whole thing a bit of substance, I think. I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, for a very inexpensive... I do have one more question, Yeah, I mean, you could have, like, though, a virtual pickpocket when you're in you... Rome. Go on, Marla. <laughs> yeah, just hush. I want to ask something. Come on, right, let okay, Marla yeah, speak. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you're, like, not well to travel a yes. lot, how would you travel to that place to do the virtual reality tour? A good point. 
Yeah. Ah, like... so you have to get an airline to Tokyo to do it in the first place. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the that's the one drawback, Milo. Actually, quite <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, you see, this oh, is with it. a couple of million. Well, for a tenth of the price, you could just get a Ryanair flight to Rome. I spotted a flaw in their business plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This this hasn't been fully thought through, has it? No, indeed. Imagine doing a seventeen-hour UK to Australia flight in that VR. Right. Thing. Why? <laughs> seventeen hours. <laughs> I don't there. get it. Well, you could get up and go down to pub while you're waiting. You know, come back. Well, there is that. <laughs> just, that kind know, of defeats I'll, the purpose. Yeah, I'll sort of dip in sort of 17 hours into the flight. Yes, what just did they have, like, one of those um, first and business Al, I don't know bars? if you meant to turn your camera on, but you, we do have a video from Oh, we have video from Al. Yeah. Uh, that's probably not a good idea. No, I mean oh, it's a lovely okay. it's a lovely view of the air conditioning the ceiling. Of the above you. But <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, please, uh, there there we are. In case anybody wondered, he is actually there. Oh, no. oh he's oh, gone. He's gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Anyway, moving swiftly on to the next story. This one, uh, oh, oh, is on the traveller dot com dot au and uh, the headline is when plane engines die in midair what how far can a plane fly if both engines fail okay so in 2001 a plane carrying 293 passengers and 13 crew lost power in both its engines over the mid-atlantic ocean right uh, unbeknown to the pilots of air transat flight 236 the aircraft bound for lisbon had been leaking fuel ever since it left toronto six hours earlier having lost the first two engines captain robert pichet declared a fuel emergency and announced to air traffic control his intentions to divert to the azores ten minutes later the second engine spluttered to someone near edinburgh that <laughs> Thank you, Al. Pichet and his first it's officer. The same body of water. Hold on, we've got a cert, we've got a name here. Uh-oh. Pichet and his first officer, Dirk Derjager. I beg your pardon. With more oh, than twenty. Fantastic, you know, pronunciation there. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. It's, it's Dirk Derjager. Thank you, yes. Maya. There you go. With more than twenty thousand hours of flight experience between them, proceeded to glide the A330 without any power for nineteen minutes. I'm surprised the uh, computers kept going. You know, with all the computers and stuff flying on the. Airbus. Anyway, covering some 75 miles until wow. landing hard wow. at Lage 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 Air. What's that one, Milo? Lage Lage Air. Lage Air Base. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, aircraft was forced to perform a series of turns and it's full of facts. This show, isn't it? There <laughs> is. Yeah. Uh, no lives were lost in the incident, uh, and it remains the furthest flown by a passenger jet without engine power in aviation history. The tail of Air Transat Flight 236 acts as a reminder that even if both engines fail in your flight, there's still a decent chance everyone will reach the ground safely. This should be uh, of uh, particular <laughs> comfort to anyone feeling queasy after reading about the United Airlines flight that recently suffered an engine uh, blow in mid-air. An engine blowout? Well, you know, okay. Is that like a uncontained, tire, yeah. Right. Uh, so, um, so, guys, can you remember the name of the other famous gliding airliner that was air canada boeing 767 that was the, uh, the right. gimli glider gimli. yeah i've got a piece of that in my Happy. office at home oh, anyway carry on now <laughs> so um can we draw a connection here because both operators were canadian okay right. it just seems it just seems that the Canadians have the world record for gliding airliners. Right, okay. They've, they've, they've got the gold and the silver. Fair enough. Right, okay. I mean, that's, that's an option. So uh, they are the world's experts. They're so very good at it. So, in theory, yeah. if you want to fly with, you know, airlines that 
you know, have an expertise in, right, you know, sort of running out of fuel and gliding. <laughs> they probably in. have the quietest, you know. Yeah, the quietest engines you'll ever imagine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Go Canadian. <laughs> so in, uh, Forget back, your curling. Just go back, Canadian. Back to, back to all serious chat, Mr. Uh, Al. Uh, in your training, uh, is, what, is part of your training to learn to fly with both engines failing? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And it's 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 very easy to fly an airliner with no engines. Uh, I've done it at Not least fun. two or three times in the simulator. Okay. Um, and you'll be surprised how far an airliner will glide. And as long as you're within sort of 100 miles of an airport, you should have no problems in plopping it down on the runway. Mm. Uh, and is there a... Well, I think 100 miles is a bit optimistic. Do you, is, is, oh, well, maybe maybe in the banana, high. yes. But <laughs> well, the banana would glide much better than the uh, the Airbus, I would suspect. Really? Let's have a test to that. Uh-oh. Competition. Okay. You're on. Okay. Okay. You go first. All right. And then I'll see if right. I can I'll beat see you tomorrow over the Bay of Biscay. <laughs> right. You go first. Okay. Yeah. Let me know where we get on. Yeah. Are we going to Edinburgh? And then, if I think that you've done really well and I can't beat you, then I'll just stick with Plan A. <laughs> right, right, okay. I mean, I, oh, I do have a, I do have a question actually that I think is vaguely relevant, and the, uh, the one thing that sort of really uh, bothers me a little bit about this story is why did it take them so long to realise that they were that there was a problem in regard to how much fuel they had on board? Uh, what in the in the Gimli glider one? Uh, well, the, the story that we're talking about here. Oh, the Air where, Transat, the two three six. Yeah, yeah uh, well, leaking well, fuel. Yeah, they they. It's a classic one of those sort of human factor things where they got very preoccupied with something that was completely irrelevant. Right. Mm. Um, and then when they realised that what they thought was irrelevant was now relevant, it was yeah. all a bit too late because all of their fuel okay. sat out over the Atlantic, blobbing up and down on the waves. Right. Um, so um, so then they they went from villains to heroes to villains in the space of half an hour. Right. Okay. I, I, it's just, just like you know, I, and, and I, I, this is a terrible analogy, I know, and I'm going to get told off for this by all of you, I'm sure. No, no. But no, you won't. In my car, does it involve buses? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does actually. In, in a bus or a car or a coach or, or, or whatever, when when you've got, you know, when the fuel reaches a certain point, this really irritating, very bright in-your-face light appears that you just yeah. cannot ignore. And so, the same thing happens in aircraft, so, well, I'm yeah. assuming, but by the time that it gets to that flashing point, in a car you pull over. Uh, right. In an aircraft okay. you can't you really land just in the sea. Yeah, so, okay. yeah well, okay, you, you've yeah. asked a very sensible question there, so I'll endeavour to give you a, a sensible answer. But in the meantime, Pip, when, how long do you have flight time-wise when your low-fuel warnings come on on the, on the Phenom, roughly? Uh, oh, gosh, now you're asking me a question. Probably... Probably about thirty minutes. Yeah, exactly the same as on the bus. Yeah, oh, about okay. half an hour. So not not far, basically. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Well, in Europe that would be enough to get most places, but if you're out over the ocean, then you're yeah. you're in a bit of stuck. Well, I suppose in this yeah. case, of course, also, I mean, the, the the fuel loss is more than just it burning fuel, isn't it? Because in in this story that we're we're talking about here, the issue was actually that it was that there was a fault with the fuel line, and it was actually just pouring out of the out of the system. Yeah. Wasn't oh, in it? that particular instance, but you know, engines can fail for all sorts of reasons. It would be pretty unusual to have both engines uh, conk out on you, but it's it's happened. Yeah. 
And it really I mean, depends. Normally, Sorry, go on, Al. Yeah, I was going to say, normally those sort of events are tied up with contaminated fuel. So you think you've bought aviation fuel and, in fact, bought water or volcanic ash type instances. But it says, you yeah. know, that it would be highly unlikely that you'd have, you know, synchronized mechanical failure. Yeah, or the air you're flying through is contaminated with birds. Yes. That's happened before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the story is about how far would an aeroplane go if it does happen. Uh, and that's sort of a how long was a piece of string question. It really depends on the weight of the aircraft, the aircraft itself, uh, the configuration. But as a rough guide, the one I sort of use in the back of my head when I'm thinking about where I might go if, if it all goes horribly wrong is about two and a half times your altitude. So let's say if you're at 30,000 feet, take the number 30 and times it by two and a half. So about 75 miles would be, maybe the Fenham would go a little bit further, but I wouldn't want to try it. Um, so yeah, about 75 miles from 30,000 feet. And then, so you might start looking for an airport at, I don't know, maybe 60 miles or 50 miles. Uh, you wouldn't certainly try and find an airport at 74 miles. If you reckon you could glide 75 miles, you definitely want to arrive at your intended crash site uh, with plenty of access uh, height because you can lose heights quite easily but you can't gain it again once you've lost your engines uh, but that's what i would use about two and a half times i mean you can really go into it and look at the glide ratios um but uh, you know pilots don't generally know that most checklists will probably have some sort of chart for best glide speed versus weight and that's the thing that you've got to nail here. If you want to get the best glide ratio, you've got to hit the right speed, which will be a speed that coincides with a point on the drag curve, which is giving you a maximum lift for your um, minimum of drag. That'll be your best glide speed. And then there's something like an Airbus Al, I'm guessing it's probably, I don't know, around 200 knots or so. Um, well, it, it's tricky because uh, the the checklist requires you to fly at 300 knots initially to try to re restart exactly the that's the other thing i was going to say uh, if you're going to restart the engine so you have to fly a lot faster which then um is going to reduce your glide range i mean working on the basis that you you've managed to um to completely screw up and got rid of all of your fuel then um yeah uh it's a bit faster than 200 knots. It's around about 230 knots. But, yeah, um, like yeah. Oh, yeah, in the Fenham, or the, I think the Hawker was generally, it was about 10 knots faster than your um, third segment climb speed. So that was always what I sort of kept in the back of my head. Yeah. On the Fenham, it's probably going to be around 160 knots, something like that, because it's a very light aeroplane. It was more like 180 on the Hawker. But still much slower than a an Airbus or a you know a Boeing. PTUK yeah. definitely getting technical. And, and of now. course, for the benefit of Carlos, um, the computers are quite happy operating with uh, the engines failed. Because you have a rat, a ram air turbine. Oh, no. Yeah, you got ram air turbine. Yeah. Ah, uh, we don't have anything that clever. We just got the batteries, which are guaranteed to last a minimum of thirty minutes. So it says on really? the label. Yeah, well, no, it should do. If if you're pretty sensible about it and turn off the bits you don't need and you've got decent batteries, um, it do you should have work. to pull circuit could, breakers your... on the Phenom or, or is the shedding pretty much done for No, you? the shedding's all automatic. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Of course, I mean, if, if you lost one engine, you'd 
usually start the APU um, if available. So that would give mm -hmm. you electrical power at least. But if yeah. you lost both engines simultaneously, then you're um, then you're in trouble. So you know, if you lose engines at night in the dark in IMC in crappy weather, uh, and you're relying on your batteries, then that's a really uh, a very serious situation. Yeah, and you'll probably want to to land much sort of sooner than your maximum glide range would would uh, let you go. So the, the, the champagne cooler is automatically shed in a dual-engine air scenario. <laughs> oh, no, that stays powered throughout. Oh, quite right. Okay. Absolutely. Machine. Yes, I mean, yeah. those are critical items. Yeah. And the in-flight film. Can you imagine film. the fuss the passengers would cause if they didn't have their cold champagne and coffee? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so well, maybe, that is true. Yeah, they moving it swiftly right. on yeah, then, okay. Matt, I think this next one is for... Are we not you? giving these guys any oh, stories? Nev? Uh, up Nev. Nev? <laughs> Nev? <laughs> Pip. Actually, no, hold on. I, I think Al should have the next story oh, because no. the next is this, story... Is this number four? Uh, no, it's number no. five. This one's on oh, the airportsinternational.com. Hang on, hang, hang on. on. Which, no, it's number six, no. isn't it? No, I'm really confused. Number, number six. Number, number six, six yeah. Number yeah. six? Yes. Yeah. Story number six. This is definitely a oh, new right, story, okay. Al. Okay, right, hang on. <laughs> it's loading, it's loading. Right, sorry about that. <clears throat> right. Um, okay, this comes from the airportsinternational.com website. And uh, launch customer for Airbus A321 passenger to freight conversion. Oh, yeah, I can see why you've chosen it for me. <laughs> oh, really? Fantastic, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Elba Flugers work. <laughs> E I could be helping him. Oh, sorry, sorry. I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. Elbe Flugzeugwerke. Oh, yeah. The joint venture between ST Aerospace and Airbus has announced that it has secured a launch contract for Valair Solutions, Sal Valair in brackets, for its A321 passenger to freighter conversion solution. The German based aerospace company will convert 10 A321 passenger aircraft to a 14-pallet cargo configuration for Valair. The first aircraft will be inducted in the last quarter of 2018, scheduled for redelivery by the end of 2019. Gregor Lebogot, president and CEO of Valair, commented, My personal history with the 321 goes back to the start of my career with Air France when it first introduced this aircraft in its fleet. At Valar, through years of trading and supporting the 320 family, we have a solid technical competence on this aircraft type. Today we see a huge potential in the A321 passenger to freighter, not only as a replacement for the Boeing 757 freighter, but as a key tool for the cargo industry to achieve the projected growth rate of the air freight market in general, in particular driven by express services and e-commerce. The A321 passenger to freighter will be the first aircraft to introduce a containerized lower deck to the market segment of narrow-body freighters, a significant game-changer for any hub-and-spoke operation. Bravo. Well, indeed. It, it's, uh, it's, um... Well, it's nice to see they're using the, air, the uh, A321s for something else. You know, Obviously, Boeing have been doing it for years. Conversion, you know, right. freighter stuff and that. So, is this just literally to get more use out of out of an existing airframe, essentially, to sort of, you know, extend, not let anything go to waste, essentially, stuff that they've already built? Yeah, I mean, what tends to happen is that um, 
uh, aircraft will obviously go to their their first owner, be operated for a period of time, and then sort of they get hand-me-downs. So, uh, say for example, uh, Wizz Air take delivery of brand new aircraft. They operate them for about three years, and then they hand them down to British Airways, who will then operate them for a period of time, and then it will get handed down. Um, and quite often, they just get sort of as the aeroplanes get tattier and tattier, the the, the leasing costs will reduce, and um, and fundamentally they go to sort of lesser airlines, if you like. But there there comes a point where. Um, some aircraft may no longer be commercially viable to operate as passenger aircraft, but um, it would be perfectly feasible to operate as cargo aircraft. Um, and we see, you, you see lots of old 737s used as cargo aircraft. Um, I mean, ATPs are still being used as cargo aircraft. Um, so that there is a good life available for workhorse aeroplanes. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously uh, a huge plus point for Airbus that it's taken this long for anybody to need to start to use the aircraft as freighters. They've obviously served their purpose very, very well as passenger aircraft. If you were given a choice, Al, and in, like, in the future and stuff, you know, when you've moved, you know, moved along with the airlines and stuff, would you like to possibly go and fly freight freighter aircraft? No. Okay. <laughs> any okay. Re any reason why? Yeah. Um, all of these parcels and packets uh, all get transported by air at night. Mm. So, uh, okay. um, becoming a vampire doesn't really have any great appeal to me. Um, trying to sleep in the day is... Uh, anybody who works night shifts will know that trying to sleep in the day is, is phenomenally difficult. Mm. Um, and um, secondly, there are, there are very few cargo airlines that have cabin crew. <laughs> so who's going to bring me my tea, coffee, and food? Again, a good, a, a, an yeah, excellent good. point, well made as always. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and, and you know, looking at a load of boxes, there's no eye candy, is there? <sighs> no, no. I've got her here next to me. Anyway, moving swiftly on, uh, Pip. Uh, next story is for you. Oh, all right then. Um, so this is—is is it the Jet uh, Two one? That's the one. All right. 14 things you didn't know about Jet 2, the budget airline of the North. I feel like I should read this in a northern accent. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, please do. Mm. <laughs> Here's a few things you probably didn't know about UK's fourth largest carrier. Okay, right. People in Hull now are even doing more well, offended. Doing well, doing well. So, yeah, this is Jet 2 for those who don't know it. It's uh, uh, an airline here in the UK that On flies mostly of out of the UK, north of the I'd country, like which apologize. is all the poor people and the peasants live so number one it exists I live there I think you proved my point now <clears throat> anyway it exists to serve the north its slogan was dropped in 2008 when it opened its first base south of Manchester but Jet 2 is still firmly focused on the upper half of England it was founded after its owners the dark group spotted a gap in the markets uh, there was quite simply a paucity, oh, I don't know that word, quite simply a paucity of budget flights leaving from the north. With no low-cost carriers uh, using Manchester, EasyJet confined to Liverpool and British Midlands flying out of Leeds, Bradford, Jet2 began flogging cheap seats to a captive market. Gosh, how many of these are there? 14 of them. In at number right. two. 
<laughs> number two, yeah. Uh, I'll paraphrase, I think. On February 12th, 2003, Jet 2 sent its first aircraft, a Boeing 737, from Leeds Bradford to Amsterdam. It yeah, initially flew near to Edinburgh. The... Yeah, <laughs> next to Tunis Airways. It initially flew to the Dutch city twice a day. Well, there's lucky Dutch folks. Uh, number three, it was a pretty lean operation back then. With a single destination and just two aircraft, the airline was certainly embryonic. But later in 2003, Jet 2 added scheduled flights to seven more European sun and city break destinations. Wow. Number four, Jet 2 began life as a cargo service. Oh, I didn't know that. Before Jet 2 was Jet 2, it was Channel Express. Ooh. Mm. Running cargo and post on behalf of the Royal Mail to the Channel Islands and Europe from its base in Bournemouth. Well, that's not really north, is it? Bournemouth. <laughs> it's hard to get any less north than that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Channel Express was merged completely with Jet 2 by 2006. Okay, great. It doesn't have many empty seats. According to research by Telegraph Travel into passenger load factors, Jet 2 is behind only Ryanair when it comes to flying with the fewest empty seats. Uh, There's a lovely table there if you want to have a look at that. Number six, it carries nearly 7 million people a year. Ooh. Uh, number seven, um, and yes, yeah, so number six means that it is one of the UK's largest airlines. Behind BA, EasyJet, and Flybe, Jet 2 is the UK's fourth largest airline. Where's Monarch in that list? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Too <Wow>. soon. <laughs> yeah, it might be a little soon. Oh, <laughs> slightly. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay, nice to know where your friends are, isn't it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Number eight. Settle you down, settle down. Friend. Number eight, it only flies two types of aircraft. With a fleet I'll of get 75. you with some weight turbulence, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fatty. <laughs> See yourself turned upside down. Uh, uh, With a fleet of 75 aircraft, Jet 2 relies on just two models, the Boeing 737 and the larger 757. It has orders for 13 new 737s, which will take its fleet up to 88. That's fascinating as well. Uh, Number nine, it has a 32-year-old aeroplane. The issue of reliability of older aircraft was raised last summer when a 31-year-old Jet 2 737 made two emergency landings in as many weeks. Uh, passengers were never at risk, Jet 2 said, but commentators were quick to point out the age of the aircraft. Um, it was manufactured in 1986 for Lufthansa. But are older planes really more likely to go wrong? Not according to Patrick Smith, a US pilot and author of Cockpit Confidential. It's, it's, a, good and surname, he says, it's a good surname, that. <laughs> he says... Commercial aircraft are built to last more or less indefinitely. Mm, what about, about that? that? Not sure <laughs> yeah, about that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Anyone sure. been on a right flyer recently? <laughs> That's it, yeah, quite so many aircraft from the 1940s still going, are there? <laughs> Reason for that. Uh, all right, well, that was a stupid thing for him to say, so I'm not going to read the rest of the quote. Fair enough. I don't blame you. I've lost all confidence in, uh, in the Patrick story. Smith of Cockpit Confidential. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number 10, it flies transatlantic. Uh, brilliant. Okay, it flies to New York. From okay. Leeds. From Leeds? Wow. Uh, okay. I believe so. <laughs> yeah. Leeds, East yes. Midlands and Delft. Yeah, I think does Christmas just... shopping trips. 
Yeah, just I was there over the Christmas, yeah. Got yeah. a couple of flights to New York. Fascinating stuff. Number 11, Jet 2 has excellent timekeeping. It's on time with 87.5% of its flights running on time. Well, that's very nice. Very good. Uh, number 12, Telegraph readers are fans of Jet 2. Oh, okay. Say, say no more. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a very good reason nope. not to like them, frankly. Uh, actually, uh, uh, Micah has just said in the chat room, hey, the B-52 will be flying until 2060. This is true. Yeah. This, this is, is true. true. Not indefinitely, is it? It won't be flying no, in no. 20,000 years' time. No, no, fair point. Yes, all right. Okay, yes, very sensible. Well Probably. done. Carry on. <laughs> uh, number three, right, coming to the end here, folks. Don't worry, the end is in sight. <laughs> Thank goodness. You soon enough. <laughs> number 13, it will happily fly with just one passenger. In fact, this is a story you guys covered not so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Contrary to its excellent load factor, Jet 2, as evidenced last October, will sometimes have a few spare seats. Last year, author Karen Reeve booked onto the airline's Glasgow to Crete service, paying £46 for the privilege, only to find she was the sole passenger. Sounds marvellous. Yeah, I don't think the manager of the commercial department at Jet2.com was happy with no. just one passenger on the flight. No, well, and, 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 and as we said during the, 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 the story, of course, it, it, you know, uh, the only reason it probably went ahead is because re repositioning, essentially. So it needed to get from wherever it was. Mm to where it was wherever it was going otherwise i can't see any other reason why they would have run the flight do you know what i mean well she paid her 46 quid yeah. yes i know but it would have been cheaper for them to have put her on another flight <laughs> with someone you know even another carrier than to run uh, you know so the only reason it must have been because it was repositioning surely actually pip you know you were saying about their their oldest aircraft that one being was it 32 years old Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just looked up that air aircraft registration, that 737. Apparently, it's been scrapped due to failures on board the aircraft multiple times and repairs have failed. Oh, okay. Right, so not quite running indefinitely then. <laughs> yeah. No. No, indeed. All right. Yeah. Okay, look, here's the last one. It's the best one of the 14, so okay. brace yourselves, kids. Oh, right. Braced. Number 14, amazing facts about Jet 2. Uh, beach break in Dusseldorf. Finally, the airline came under scrutiny of the Advertising Standards Agency in 2011 when it promised 9.99 seats, £9.99 seats as part of its summer sun flight sale on a poster adorned with sun, sand and sea, but with only Belfast, Amsterdam and Dusseldorf included in the offer. Few complaints that these three are not exactly overwhelmed with either sun, <laughs> sand or sea. Carlos, right, did you right. have anything to do with that advertising campaign? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Al. I really hope you come down to visit us in the summertime. Anyway, okay. yes, moving. Actually, yeah, so the good news is that's the end of that story. Yeah. 16th of uh, August, by the way, people need to... Was it the yeah. 16th or have I got uh, that date wrong I can't again? Remember. I'll put it in a diary. Yeah, it was a Saturday anyway, around about yeah. the 16th of August. Uh, we're, we're doing a meet-up, but we'll talk more about that later. Uh, so anyway. the next story is on the independent.co.uk. Uh, it also has a video which Matt is going to play out during the uh, story. This was one that came on the news views this week. And the headline, United Airlines passenger jet engine cover rips apart over the Pacific Ocean. And uh, United Airlines flight was forced to make an emergency landing after uh, one of its engines began to fall apart over the Pacific Ocean. Passengers told of hearing a loud boom and said the plane really started shaking after part of an engine cover was ripped off in mid-air. One woman on board described the scariest flight of her life after the airliner landed safely at Honolulu. Video filmed by a passenger showed an engine and the exterior cover missing, shaking as pieces of its casing flapped around in the wind. 
there was a loud bang, and then the aircraft really started shaking, passenger Alison Sudakal told Hawaii News Now. There was uh, a noise and then a rattling, and the plane was kind of shaking like boom, boom, boom. Oh, must have been some music playing. <laughs> the, uh, Aren't we supposed the to drama that with... Let me hear you say way-ho. Way-ho. <laughs> the drama began around 35 minutes uh, before the United Airlines flight 1175 from San Francisco was scheduled to land in Hawaii. Pilots declared an emergency due to a vibration in the right-hand engine and warned the airport vibration. ground crew. The Boeing 777 landed safely, said a Federal Aviation Administration FAA spokesman. Some 363 passengers and 10 crew were on board. Uh, they let us know that we had to brace for impact in case there was a rough landing, said right. Mr. Sukadarkal, who was travelling with her four-month-old son, her husband Tim and his parents. It was scary, but the crew did a really good job. <laughs> Maria Fal Falashi, a marketing consultant from San Francisco, wrote on Twitter that it was the scariest flight of her life. She posted photos on the social media website of the aircraft engine without its covering, known as the cowling, which was missing. United said pilots called for emergency landing because of an issue. Hmm, could be, yeah, with engine number two. Could be considered two. an issue, certainly, yes. The pilots followed all the necessary protocols to safely land the aircraft. The airline added paramedics and crews were on, on standby waiting at the airport as a precaution but were not needed. United Airlines spokesmen could not immediately say whether the plane's engine continued to function after the casing came off. He said the airline was fully cooperating with investigations or investigators by the FAA and the National Transportation Safety Board. Now, on that video, uh, which Matt played during there, it looks really much like they didn't shut the engine down. Am I right? Or Now, I was thinking about this since we played it uh, just before the show. And, I mean, with the air go through all of that and the drag created by the various different parts that are normally covered by a fairly aerodynamic cowling, possibly the vibration is just... The air moving air across the engine. resistance and drag. What do you reckon, Al? Um, Have you seen the video? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Your, your views, uh, then, Al. Any serious thoughts on the matter? <laughs> um, I, to be honest, I don't really know the engine particularly well. It's quite conceivable. What? Well, I've kind of switched off briefly. At what point in the flight did this all take place? Was it fairly just soon after landing. departure? Or... Just before landing. Just before landing. Um, I don't really know the answer to your question, to be honest. That's a fair point. I would be surprised if they didn't shut the engine down. Um, but I'm, certainly it would be windmilling yeah, anyhow indeed. in the airplane. Yeah. I think it's just because... Now, wow, look at that video. It really is jumping around a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit of a funny one, isn't it? I, I do think it's probably though because it has literally lost all its air, you know, its air, air sort of. Uh, the aerodynamics. Yeah, aerodynamics. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. Because they've all disappeared, haven't they? That's that's yeah. the long and the short of it. That that has got to have a major impact. Or as on, Shorty Crossgrover said in the chat room, it's lost its bonnet. It has lost its place. Yeah. Yes, 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 that's a fair point. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's oh, definitely lost its Good point. evening, Neil Lanwarn. Good evening. Very good. Just okay. join us in the chat room. 
So yeah, the yeah. moving. Sorry, I wasn't able oh. to give you a proper answer. I was completely and utterly distracted. Wasn't expecting the question, and I was looking at something else at the time. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> and to be fair, it really shouldn't do that. I mean, engines are meant to, according to the certification standards, if it disintegrates from the inside, it should be contained. Right. Yeah. So uh, the fact that the whole outside of the engine fell off. Yes. Uh, is rather worrying, but I think the root cause with this, if from the brief bits that I read, was um, it lost a, at least one or two fan blades. Right. Okay. Is that right? Okay. So yeah, well, if if it loses the the fan blades on the front fan, the N1 fan, they're quite big, so that they're quite capable of you know piercing through bits of metal quite easily. No, absolutely. Uh, but it, I think my point was is um, you know the way they're certified is they're not meant to. Uh, you know, an internal failure is not meant to cause the uh, sort of major structural damage like that. Mm. Something's obviously um, not, not yeah, gone according I mean, to plan. It depends it? whether I you mean... describe what's happened there as collateral damage or major damage. Well, I don't know. It looks fairly major. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All yeah. the flipping engine's missing. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, yes, but, you know, it, did, it, did it pierce any of the fuselage? No. So no, did, the, did the bits that, you know, were that were collateral damage prevent any of the blades, you know, penetrating the fuselage, um, which has happened previously, incidentally. Blades have come off and managed to impale themselves in the fuselage. Mm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, not something, I think it's safe to say it's not something you'd like to see during out your window. flight out <laughs> of the window, to no. be fair. I mean, as you say, by the sound of it, it has, you know, contained itself and it's, you know, the the plane was still in the air at the end of the day. It didn't. Like, there was actually there the was back. another video on uh, Twitter as well, which one of the passengers uh, posted of inside the cabin after this has happened, and right. it was there was quite a lot of vibration through the uh, through. Well, the, I think there would aircraft. be because again, it's it's that aerodynamics yeah. thing again, isn't it? You you've lost quite a lot of. Plus, if if um, if the uh, the engine shed a few blades, and you know, as Pip said, it will be windmilling, but. Mm. Um, you know, it's like driving with a puncture. Yeah. You know, it, it's uh, the wheel still goes round, but it doesn't go around the same way as it used no. to. And it's certainly not as if yeah, it's not. It's not so much the loss of the cowling causing the vibration. I think it's just the, the fact that it's now so unbalanced internally. Yeah, yeah. Mm. The, 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 it's actually the yeah the, the the wind isn't going through it as it should be. If you see what I mean, mm. it's all. Yes. Anyway, we could talk about that for ages. So, it's moving on, next story then, uh, Matt on uh, the yeah, Express. Yeah, indeed. Yes. Yeah. So this is on the Express. Is it? Yeah. No, no, no. We're Wrong. on CNBC, I think. Oh, okay. If, if I'm correct, have Go I got ahead. that right? Um, yeah. So CNBC is the website, and the headline is Boeing wants to produce a plane every ten hours by 2020. The CEO says so. Boeing aims to keep increasing its record pace of aircraft production, um, and uh, the CEO Dennis Mullenberg told CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Street that's very clever, uh, th on Thursday, that by the end of the decade, the aerospace and defence giant will be building more than 900 aeroplanes a year. Uh, that uh, last year, Boeing delivered a record 763 commercial aircraft, which is around one new plane every 11 and a half hours. And Millenberg says the company production rate is going to keep climbing. This year, the company expects to deliver 810 to 815 aeroplanes 
aeroplanes, uh, getting Boeing closer to its lofty 2020 goal. We see this uh, air traffic growing and passenger traffic air growing uh, about 6% to 7% a year, and that's feeding airplane growth uh, throughout the world, Millenberg said. Millenberg says also that the world's aircraft fleets are going to double in size over the next 20 years, adding that there will be need for 41,000 new aeroplanes. That new passengers entering, um, new passengers entering is what's going to drive growth. Muhlenberg said before, adding an example that each year sees a hundred million people travel for the first time in Asia. Boeing is churning through an orders backlog that was worth nearly half a trillion dollars at the end of last quarter. Millenberg says that the aerospace market as a whole has changed recently from being an industry that fluctuates with the, UP, with the ups and downs, I nearly said UPS, it's actually ups and downs, of, <laughs> of an economic cycle to becoming one, of the, one where companies produce more sustained earnings growth. That shift in the nature of the aerospace market would bode well for Boeing's production plans, whilst also meaning demand from aircraft operators has yet to peak. Now, the question that I have here is, um, are CNBC a very dodgy broadcaster by any chance? Because that story was impossible because of random commas in places where it shouldn't be. The grammar was nothing but shocking and appalling. Well, it's American, isn't it? It is, yes. But I, I, I thought, I thought perhaps like Again, the news they don't speak the same language. Sorry, they don't speak the same language. They don't. They don't speak no. English. Do Maybe but they have ten, different grammar rules. Ten plane every ten hours. Eleven and a half hours is the goal that's, that they're after, isn't it? Yeah. That's pretty damn quick. But then, I mean, it's well, look at this. I've made three in the last one minute. These are for Micah. Micah, you watching? <laughs> one, two. Three. Very good. Oh, uh, well done. All better than Boeing's. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, dear. Right. Oh. Okay. They certainly will. Good. These will still be flying get, get in 20,000 years. Get on the phone. Yeah. Show him. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, Owen, the next story. Uh, the next story is from the express.co.uk, and it says the airport parking tricks revealed to get you the cheapest deal. Airport parking. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, we all know how expensive airport parking oh, yeah. can right. yeah, be. Um, so it's important to get airport parking right. With airport parking available for as little as two ninety nine per day, uh, why do doesn't some... one chauffeur attend to these matters? <laughs> That's uh, because there are so many different types available, which can be fusing, uh, confusing and expensive if not made clear. So here's some tips to remember. The first rule to remember is the earlier you book airport parking, the more money you are likely to save. Uh, you could cost cost by 60% says private price survey, saving experts travel supermarket. However, the exact savings depend on when and where you're booking. Even if you forgot to book up until the day of the flight, don't just turn up at the airport. There are always more economical ways to book ahead. People who just drive in, park and pay will always end up paying the most expensive prices for airport true, parking. True. As well as booking ahead, it's important to remember that not all car parks are the same. In fact, there are lots of different types of car park when it comes to, uh, to airport parking. There's your multi-story, there's your pay and display. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got the on-site parking. There's your, your free one. <laughs> there's a free one? <laughs> I doubt there's free one at any airport. Um, 
The on-site ones are close to the terminal and close by to uh, the short-stay car parks. Off-site car parking is a car park not in the airport complex. I think that's pretty clear. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is this this article written for children by any chance? <laughs> written by children, I think. It's uh, from the Express. <laughs> yeah, I think you've answered your own question. Yeah, indeed, yeah. <laughs> written by children. Uh, yes. uh, Basically, they go. Uh, have they given like the intern just a job for the day? <laughs> write a story about car yeah. parking. Just go to the All airport. Right. And there are do different a... sorts of car parks. <laughs> well done, well done. We need a bit more than that. Can you flesh it out a bit? It is yet another example of quality British journalism at its very height. Okay, uh, so when you'll get them car parking at uh, at Stansted and Gatwick and Heathrow and stuff, Matt, where do you go? Direct there. I have to confess, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Or do you use on-site? It depends a bit because if I if I'm going to Stansted, I I have somewhere else that I go, which oh, I'm yeah. not going to mention. Cause Edinburgh. I told her. No, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> indeed. So I no, I I I I have somewhere that's alarmingly close to the terminal that isn't actually a car park where I go and pick up people usually. <laughs> collecting. Uh, Do you go there and you flash your headlamps and then people come over? <laughs> Maybe. How anyway. did you know, Al? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Well, Al, I have to say, Marla, you seem to be very familiar with that concept. Far too familiar with that concept. <laughs> Me? I know. How rude. Honestly. That's just horrifying. Well, it? I I actually, going back to story, oh, all right. on, okay. on all seriousness, <laughs> I paid the why, sunny... uh, why, why are you upset that you're not n having not the knowledge of where Matt's special <laughs> well, where, where I'm, where I I'm the one sitting next to Milo. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, I paid 12 quid to park for three hours at Heathrow to pick up Brian Coleman when he flew in for the 200th show. Bargain, bargain. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah, and I only booked that a week in advance. I mean, yeah. I must admit, when 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 yeah, I yeah, I bet you charged him a fiver, though, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, he's uh, he's like that. No, I I I went to. Uh, I, I suppose it's difficult because one of the things. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to bore everyone now because I'm going to mention the word coach. <gasps> uh, I know, but when I go <sighs> to, <laughs> never mind, forget it. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> no, tell us about <laughs> carry on, carry on, carry on. Carry on, Matt. Carry no, on. The, the thing is, is when you as a coach driver. <laughs> Hang on, I'm just going to write an article for the Express. There are different sorts of coaches. There are ones like buses. There are ones that teach people sports. Right. Yes. No, carry on, man. <laughs> no, indeed. I've, I've lost the will to live now. <laughs> Right, anyway, good. Uh, moving on. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I don't know what's happening. Um, no, the, uh, who's the, next? Yeah, uh, um, yeah no, all uh, I was going to say is if, if, Myla, if, if, if ever next. you have to go to Heathrow me, 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 me. Uh, and you're going in a coach, uh, the thing is, is the parking, you have to pay £24.50 even if there's... A, what, for a coach? Yeah, to literally... That's cheap. Yeah, I, no, well, yeah, I suppose so. Well, but 53 people, you could split that between 53 people. <laughs> yeah, do, do, no, you, do you get to dump your toilet for the £24.50 as no, well? You, or is uh, that uh, yes, actually, card? you do. You can actually do that if you want. Yeah, yeah, there, there is a toilet. So for £24.50, you can get a good dump at Heathrow. <laughs> you can indeed. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's jolly okay. good value. I'm just writing yeah. that as a story for the Express. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Anyway, Smiler, please, anyway, please dig us out of this comedy cauldron. 14 places to have a dump in the UK. <laughs> the that'll, be next, that'll be next week's top ten. 
<laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, Myla, please dig us out Myla, of this comedy cul de sac. Take seem us to be back to reality, Myla. Yeah. Right. So this is for the DutchNews.nl. Schiphol right. Airport renews calls for increased flight movement. It's almost as if they knew you were coming. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Almost. Yeah, yeah. What a surprise. Yeah. So. The Schiphol Airport Group on Friday repeated its now familiar call for the new discussions over the 500,000 flight movement cap in place through 2020. The Dutch airport, third largest in Europe, effectively reached that limit And last a very year. nice one, if, I, if you don't mind me saying. It is. It is a very nice one. It's my favorite. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Of all the airports in Schiphol, it is your favorite. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Schiphol CEO Jos The McDonald's in Schiphol is very good, actually. Really? You're all that wonderful yes. choice in that absolute wonderful choice of food venues that you can have when you're oh, in Schiphol God. and you choose McDonald's, Captain Al. I'm very disappointed. Well, actually, but it's always Al, consistent. There is well, there is a McDonald's outside of the airport that anyway that, that gives you a great view of the runway. Oh wow! Oh, really? When they're doing okay. takeoffs and landings, you can oh, go there. It's really, really awesome. It all back. Yeah. Oh, I've never been outside the airport. I find it a very scary place, Holland. You know, uh, if you're not being flat, mowed down by right? cars, it's buses, and then if you if you're not careful, a bicycle will get you. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, fair enough. Absolutely. Anyway, Marla, carry on. So Josnaeus <laughs> said that I group... speak to someone who has been rogered by a bicycle. Moving on. Oh, let the girl speak for goodness' sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Anyway, carry on, Myla. Good luck. So, Jos Nehuis said for the third time in a group's annual earnings statement that it's vital to agree now about how Schiphol can safely and responsibly continue to grow past 2020. Schiphol's handled nearly 497,000 takeoffs? Yes, very good, yes. Yeah, but there's just they've zero dropped, They've dropped to zero, so, yes. Yeah. Okay. Based on where the comma is, I would say it's 497,000. Right. Exactly. Takeoffs and landings in 2017 when 68.5 million passengers moved through the Amsterdam airport. Extra measures were needed to smooth the passenger flow during peak periods. Mm. This called for new agreements on the long-term safe, smart and sustainable development of aviation beyond 2020 to enable us to continue fulfilling our so socio-economic role connecting the Netherlands to the rest of the world, Nehuis said. So, yes, that's the thing, that 2020, right, in sustainable... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's in a sustainable energy and things like that. I think there was like an agreement somewhere. I think, I think they're kind of hoping that by 2020 they've found a, a more efficient way of flying everyone around. I think that's what they're hoping. Can, but can I just virtual reality? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me point out that Schiphol has 28 runways and covers approximately 4 million square kilometres. The last <laughs> thing it needs to do is grow. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah, it has got five runways or something silly, hasn't it? Now. Oh, and the rest. Oh, is it? Yeah. What, five, yeah, they've got they've got a few six? tucked away that they don't tell anyone about. Yeah, they've got spare <laughs> yeah. ones that they just roll out like a carpet. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you never know. Yeah. yeah. And isn't one just like ten kilometers from thirty-seven the... that they've got aren't enough? Yeah. yeah, yeah there's no, one that point. is like really far away, and you have to cross a bridge and all the canals. Yeah, and... it's, in, it's in fact in Edinburgh. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's called Amsterdam London oh, Airport. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no fair point. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, oh well, the taxi when you're going in and out of that airport is generally longer than the flight time if you're flying into the UK. 
Yeah, no, true. Uh, I don't doubt that for a minute. I genuinely don't doubt that. Um, Nev is still lurking around in the chat room, everyone, just so you all know. Oh, no, what's he saying? Uh, You don't want to know. Anyway. Uh, um, It's okay. So, uh, uh, Pip, I'm guessing you're not ready for the next story. (laughs) Oh, how little you know me, Carlos. How long can I drag this segue out? The Skipball Group also operates Eindhoven which possibly has the world's most expensive cheese and ham toasty. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Ten euros for a cheese and ham sandwich. Have you been on a Ryanair flight lately? Uh... <laughs> Where did when you I eat, Al? Discount, they just looked at me as if I was Satan. <laughs> what? No crew discount? No. <gasps> That's, oh no, that's, that's not, very that's, rude. That's very unacceptable. Ten euros yes. for a cheese and ham toasty, no discount. Was it nice? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. Okay. Well, it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is that is bad news because that's a damning indictment from a man who loves food. If Captain L says your panini or whatever it was, a cheese and ham toasty is rubbish, then you need to adjust your menu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having a bit of a bad run at the minute, to be honest, because I'm doing a fair amount of commuting through various European airports. I'm, yeah. I'm beginning to feel sort of and share Pip's pain here oh, because no. if, if that wasn't bad enough at Eindhoven I found myself in Cologne the other day and there was ah. a McDonald's that you could see that you couldn't get to <laughs> <laughs> oh no that sounds poorly <laughs> some bunch of lunatics decided that the only way you could get to it was landside <laughs> so if you were a transit passenger you had to leave the airport and then come back in through the door to get to McDonald's. It's probably because they weren't willing to pay the fees required to be inside the airport. But, uh, I was efficiency. waiting at people to see if they could throw me something through an open window. <laughs> oh dear. It's, it's like that thing where it's like the, the stories in the UK, wasn't it, where kids were being force-fed junk food through the gate because their parents weren't happy that they were being made to eat healthy food. Yeah, I'm not actually well, joking. Food's I'm not. A- yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I, I agree. We're oh, moving yes. on to food again, Matt. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, stop talking about Back food, to everyone. Form. Back sorry. To form. So, uh, Pip, that's oh, given you about dear. three hours to get the next story loaded up, ready. <laughs> so, right. so, I'm just doing an article now for the Express. Fourteen places in the UK to buy food. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shop. <laughs> I think this is. There's different th- types of food, you know, fast yes, food and I think healthy this is just food. Al trying to put off doing the military. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's working Al, as very much well. as you try. <laughs> anyway, Pip, the next story, please yeah, read. Yeah, I it. had this queued up ages ago. Yeah, 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 just before we move on. <laughs> right. We aren't going to have time for the military. You realise that, do, don't Al. you? Oh, God, I had all this waffle in the end. <laughs> I'm not allowed. Go on, to, Pip, I'm not, we're we're, we're keen Pip, and eager. We're enthusiastic. I'm poised. I'm, I'm not allowed to edit the show. I chose this story because Pip has young children. He okay. might be able to to give his. Oh, you know, his, oh well, I'm so glad I didn't say it. what I was about to say if it involves children. Moving <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> on. Anyway, uh, Pip. Carol. All right, here we go. Come on. Uh, this yeah, is yeah, from come on, come on. Hurry. Uh, uh, some website. A toddler was filmed screaming for eight hours on a flight, and the footage reveals a mounting divisive issue for air travelers. Dun, dun, dun. If you regularly fly, this story from... <laughs> oh, no, it's Patrick Smith again from Ask the Pilot. What is this? PTUK sponsored by Patrick Smith. All right, we'll let him have this one last one. <laughs> Uh, right. 
You'll regret carrying uh, on. I've sped read it. Oh no. Okay. Well, it's either it's either we read this story out or we have three stories of military to do. So it's entirely up to you guys. <laughs> well, I don't care because I'm going to bed soon anyway. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, in that case, the military will be perfect as a way of you, you falling asleep. It'll be fine. Uh, okay. So, so anyway, so Pip, are you reading or are you um? Aborting? I don't know. I've lost now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, basically, I'm going to. You definitely need to. You definitely need to read the last line of the second paragraph. Oh. Ah! <laughs> that one. Yeah. Yes. yes. All right. Uh, this is a story about uh, kids behaving badly on planes, and uh, apparently, people, some people are of the opinion that they should be uh, beaten into unconsciousness. Whereas other people say um, you should just live with it. Um, so, you know, I don't get to read the story, but kids on planes is always a tricky one. And as Carlos uh, correctly pointed out, I do have young kids. Uh, and so does uh, Al, actually. And they're very well behaved, uh, though, Pip. Only yeah, one well, that I'm prepared to admit to. Yeah, you know, I've seen <laughs> some very odd children wandering around Manchester. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, what, with burger in hand? Yeah, <laughs> Donald, uh, a very owl-looking face. Anyway. Uh, right, moving um, on. <laughs> so I, just, I think this, this is just something you have to put up with. Yeah. Um, you know, if I know for people who don't have kids, it's just the worst thing in the world when there's uh, a kid screaming on the back of an aeroplane. In fact, it's the worst thing for anyone, even if you do have kids. Absolutely, but and there I think is a once simple solution kids, to this. Do... What's that, oh, then? The airlock. The simple solution is if you don't want to travel with kids around you, so if you're one of these people who just doesn't like kids, travel in first class. There are no kids yeah, in there. There's no guarantee <laughs> at all, is it? I've seen plenty of kids in first class. Really? Well, not under the age of 14, you won't. Yeah. Really? I thought that wasn't allowed. Well, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, well, maybe if we're you talking have, you... first class, are we differentiating between business class? Yeah, no, first class, not business class right. for plebs. First yeah, class, but you, can't, yeah. you don't get first class on short haul flights. Well, I mean, well, even if it's it... a short haul flight, you're not worried about it, are you? You can put up with it. You know... Well, you know, on a four hour flight, a, a, a screaming kid behind Kicking you is just about seat. the worst thing in the world. Anyway, I would say the solution is, uh, yeah. Well, a, if that's either... your problem, then you, surely you should just fly with safe jets and, you know, have your own aeroplane and. This is and true. Listen to your own kids screaming and PTK sponsored by Sector. Yeah, indeed, I'm, go I'm going to actually say here that my issue with this entire story, those of you watching on YouTube will see the picture that I've put up. My issue here has actually got nothing to do with. Uh, I don't have a problem. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to listen to it, um, but I don't. You know, I fully understand if there is a small child who is screaming because there is a. You know, they don't understand what's going on. They are in pain yep. because I know mm. that. I, so yeah. I can live with that. I accept. That that is, you know, the thing of thing. What the picture that I've got, I've just put up on the YouTube, is a picture of a very badly behaved child who needs some discipline in his life. Right. And I know yeah. that everybody who sat around this table and everybody who's listening on Skype, there is no way in a million years that they would allow their child to behave like that, banging the roof of the aeroplane. And I, I mean, absolutely it's just, not. Yeah, it's absent. 
Thanks, Carlos. Uh, not mine. <laughs> it's not mine. Indeed. But this is the thing. It's like, I understand if it's a small toddler and they're a baby in arms, literally a baby in arms, you know, the, the kid is going to have no idea what's going on. So I completely understand why the child is distressed. And I also appreciate there is very little that the mum can do about it. And I don't see why those people should be denied the right to go on a holiday. I don't have a problem with that I at all. I completely agree with you. I completely agree. And, you know, there's one key factor here that some people forget. We were all children. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah indeed. You know, yeah, but when I was I, a kid, we didn't like regularly travel on an no, airplane. I know. So I, I know, but but times have changed. I mean, this is the thing that you know, th things are different to to what they they were, and that and that's fine. I I don't have, a, as I say, I understand if there is a ch child screaming because I it's. It is. It makes me feel like I want to die. I hate that noise so much. But I completely appreciate that these people shouldn't be. They work damn hard as well, and they deserve a family holiday. Hmm. You know? yep. And you're only in the aeroplane, as you say, for sort of three, four, five hours. I mean, I, I, I might feel a bit differently if it was a small child and you were making them go all the way to the states. I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about that. But you know, I suppose. I suppose again, though, if you're doing long haul flights, it might be because you're visiting family. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard I do think as a parent, as a parent on, you Pip, do have a responsibility to come somewhat prepared. Yeah. You know, when mm -hmm. we travel, with, they're a bit older now, so it's okay. But when they were younger, we turned up with all sorts of sweeties and crisps and biscuits and uh, computer games and Game Boys and whatever. Anything to Everything keep them Everything to yeah. keep them quiet because yeah. it's, mm -hmm. it's just hellish when they're acting up. Yeah. 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 No, the but thing, there's I... two separate categories here. There, there are... There are, there are kids that are crying, screaming or whatever because they're in pain and there is nothing that the parents can do to console them. They're, you're just responsible, responsible parents who are doing their very, very best in a difficult situation. And there are kids that are just being let to run riot because their parents don't give a monkeys. Um, and there's a very big dividing line there. And, and quite frankly, in the latter category, it's the parents who need a slap. <laughs> I agree. No, the um, the thing that I don't like is uh, when kids repeatedly uh, press the call bells, um, because that is, I mean, sometimes I, I still do that, Owen. I'm <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, if several times in a quick succession, it, yeah. you could be confusing it with um, si certain si situations call, yeah. that we have uh, yeah. the call bells listed right. as. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, it's it, that's kind of my bugbear, but. Uh, apart from that, I don't really see a problem. But again, with... you see, it, it stems down to the thing that seems to be so desperately lacking in a lot of cases when it comes to to children, and that is the word discipline. The thing is, is absolutely. I, I mean, if I if I did that, you know, mum might let it go once or twice. If I did it a third time, I only needed a look from my mum, and I knew that I was going to be in so much trouble when I got off that aeroplane mm. when there wasn't anybody around. Do you know what absolutely. I mean? <laughs> As an aside, do do you know. harp jet actually charge for using the call bell? <laughs> <laughs> no, just the oxygen masks when I drop. First insert a coin and then yeah. it works. Because <laughs> the, the, the reason I ask is that um, uh, in my, my former airline, one of the more senior cabin crew members, she was a lovely purser, but she had a, a child on board. It wasn't her child, it was a passenger child who was doing that, who was pressing the call bell. So she went up and quite sort of firmly said to her, look, every time you press that button, your mummy and your daddy have to pay £10. Wow. <laughs> now look to see how happy they are. Yeah. And it stopped it. 
Red. Oh, I really need to try this. Yeah. This is something I really yeah. need to try. I, I'm not sure if it, on Harpjet that's necessarily the way forward, though. Well, no, I definitely it, get the it, money. Because they might actually think that, that you're going to charge them £10. This article goes on to suggest that perhaps airlines should place all families and people with young kids in on the wing section of the plane. Yeah, I'm not too what sure that's a that? great idea. Um, the way kids interact with each other, they, uh, especially if they're not amazingly disciplined, is that they just wind each other up. Yeah, true. Um, and egg each other on, and it tends to be that groups of kids traveling together just end up causing a little bit more of an issue than them separated. Mm. And plus then if you've got irresponsible parents and they're all cooped up together with these misbehaving kids, then you do run the risk of having, you know, major, you know, passenger disturbance because quite clearly, you know, if they can't keep control mm. of their children, they're highly likely to be able to mm. keep control of themselves. Uh, yeah, other point. things that I see an issue with there possibly could be secure in the cabin. The cabin's secured in sections by certain cabin crew, and all that is, I mean, it's fairly time critical when we <laughs> when we do it. Um, but if you have a large group of people all just egging each other on and all being a, a little bit running riot, basically, um, not, it's not... it's going to it's going to be hard for that one particular section, um, which obviously eats into time constraints and mm. ultimately safety. Yeah. I'm a bit concerned because Carlos started laughing. What are they <laughs> just, saying in the I'm chat? I was looking in the chat room. There's a few various people are saying various things in the Anything chat room. Anything that we can broadcast? Uh, well, Mike could very rightly put, let them ride on the wing. Right. Um, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad idea. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think that opens some safety issues as, as well. No, that's where we put the smokers. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay. Right. <laughs> no, that is, uh, it's, one of the, it's one of those things that you're not going to get away with. And it does affect children in, in different ways, especially young children when, when they're descending in you know, the cabin. Great pressure changes and stuff with ear we always just suffer because from... they don't understand no that's no, no, the thing is no. it? they don't understand mm. why their ears hurt and oh yeah. well some know. adults don't either no well <laughs> yeah. no fair no. point yeah <laughs> so that is you, a you do have a point that sorry i was just saying you do have a point there the matt that kids even up until sort of seven eight nine maybe yeah. even older years old just don't have no they haven't developed the social skills they just don't get it and they you know you can't blame them for that because their brain just hasn't developed those yeah, hasn't got that um you know the sort of social mm. skills yet yeah it, it, it's a tricky one isn't it as i say but i think as i say my issue with, with this is actually not so much the the genuine kids who are distressed and don't understand what's going on this picture that obviously we, we've been putting up on on here is literally uh you know a child who is misbehaving and requires discipline and that's yeah well that's it's the tough end to of the make story. a judgment from a, a single photograph isn't it but, well um, they seem pretty, possibly so yeah i mean i don't know well, yes i suppose that you know there could be perhaps you know well the kid looks a bit like damon from the back right <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Uh, anyway uh, that is where we're going to bring the commercial section to a close so okay guys and, and at that point i do unfortunately have to bid you a fond farewell uh, Yay! Uh, stop it i mean uh, <laughs> Al, it's so been i'm a... going to leave you in the safe and capable hands of pilot pip oh you're very kind thank oh. you very much for joining us it's been great to have you on board as always al and hopefully we'll have you on again very soon yeah yeah thanks al Thank yeah, you, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed, but I am steadily falling asleep. No, that's fair enough. Oh, it's it's so, a military uh, segment, that's yeah, why. Yeah, it's just because uh, the military <laughs> segment's coming up, that's all it is. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to miss it. Right. Oh, no, well, say. we're going to say a big thank you to Captain Al. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Yeah, big round of applause there from the studio audience. Indeed. Well done, Al. 
Wow, this this bar is getting bigger by the day. Take yeah. care, mate. We'll speak to you soon. Look Bye, after yourself. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Okay, so right, uh, while gone? that's... Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who was that guy? I don't know. Oh, he just God, turned scary. up randomly without so, any uh, warning. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up next then on the show, he's not here this week with us, but Nev has sent us in one of his amazing passenger experience segments. Yes. And uh, this week, uh, it's, uh, it's... Well, it's one to listen to for sure, so it we're going to play that out absolutely. for you right now. I'm in the flat country known as the Netherlands, uh, in Amsterdam specifically. It's just coming to the end of our trade show and we're all a bit tired actually. Can't wait to go home, although I have enjoyed it. It's a great city and for those people who have not been to Amsterdam before, I can highly recommend it. But of course, I couldn't come all this way without speaking to one of our friends, and that is Masha, who joins me here at the Marriott Hotel in the centre of Amsterdam. Hi, Masha. Hello, everyone. This is Masha in Amsterdam. Now, we've had a really nice meal uh, just across the road at a Vietnamese restaurant, really high quality food. And you've been there before, haven't you? Yes, it's a, it's a chain uh, restaurant. They have a couple of places here in Amsterdam and uh, I always love their food. I'm not going to do sort of a big Nev's passenger experience segment here, but just a bit of a chat with Masha as she's here. And um, I was just explaining to her earlier that last week we broadcast the Dr. Steph Nev's passenger uh, experience segment, um, which was great because it talked about her long trip around the world and some of the considerable luxury that she had, specifically having a shower uh, in her suite, which was brilliant, wasn't it? Can you imagine having a, a shower on an aircraft? <sighs> I could certainly never imagine that. I've never flown anything higher than economy, so <laughs> that's way beyond my, even my wildest fantasies. But, of course, uh, because we're aviation geeks, we uh, thought that there could be a technical problem if, if something uh, went wrong and that you, there was some turbulence. Well, yeah, it does make you wonder what happens if you, you know, you're right there in the shower, just you know under the the water and then uh, suddenly the uh fasten seatbelt signs goes on what are you supposed to do we don't actually have an answer to that question but it's a question that i think we'll put back to steph at some point because um i don't know whether there's a special seat in the shower where you just sit down but yeah it, it's the question of the night for us isn't it yeah it's one of those things that you know just makes you wonder i'm sure they must have thought of that as we're talking about aviation, have you flown anywhere recently at all? Uh, not recently, unfortunately. My last vacation that involved flying was last year, somewhere in the summer, when I went to Naples for a week and I took a, a Ryanair flight, as you do here in Europe, from Eindhoven to Naples and back. So that was, uh, that's my, that was my only passenger flight last year. And what about long haul? When was the last time you went any distance, would you say? Oh, that's quite a long time ago. That must have been like five, six years ago that when I flew on Delta, a quality airline, from Amsterdam to Atlanta and back. Very nice. And what about sort of um, the service and all the rest of it? I mean, obviously things are changing all the time with security and boarding's difficult and slow. When you went uh, to Atlanta, was it okay? Um, well... The security, um, 
was quite intense, <laughs> especially on the American side. Atlanta is, I think, the only airport, at least that I've experienced, where your bags get scanned when you arrive, not when you depart. Well, they also do it when you depart, but they do it both ways. That was something that I've never encountered before, and it took a lot of people by surprise, I think. Just coming through Schiphol as I did on Sunday. Uh, obviously, Sunday's a bit of a quieter day, um, so it's not too bad, but I would imagine going back tomorrow, Friday, might be a, a different story. But it's such a well-designed airport. Do, do you like going through Schiphol? Well, all the last times I've been to Schiphol is different every time because they seem to be like re refurbishing and expanding every time I'm there. You know, something has changed. The security is not where you thought it was. The gates are not where you <laughs> where you thought they were. Every time is different. And I must say that because I'm, I'm budget conscious, that I tend to fly out of Eindhoven or uh, Rotterdam The Hague even more often than I actually fly out of Schiphol because most budget airlines prefer those airports. Schiphol is a bit like Heathrow, I think, sometimes. There's always construction going on, there's always something happening. The, the airport's never the same, isn't it? Yes. Actually, the, I... I've come to Schiphol more often just to go plane spotting than I actually go to travel because the one thing that Schiphol does have and you, you have experienced is an excellent observation desk. Death. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to have that at other airports? And um, yeah, the Heathrow, Heathrow one closed years ago up at the top of the Queen's building. But one of my best days out was when all of us went up to the observation deck uh, with the uh, Fokker 100, was it? Yes, it was, wasn't it? And uh, great views. Um, and it's nice that the security guys and girls have decided that, you know, that's okay to be there. And that you see them coming around sometimes, but I think it's a great, great place, isn't it? Yes, it's lovely. You always see lots of people there, like whole families there, especially when the, the A380 leaves or arrives. People, like, know that schedule, and you always see people just coming just to see that. Just thinking about sort of future long-haul flying, maybe, have you got any thoughts about where you would like to go in the world uh, that would be long-haul? Oh, there's so many places in the world I would love to go. I've never been to uh, to the Far East. I would love to visit Japan or China or the other way. I would love to visit uh, South America. I've never been there uh, either, so lots of places still to go. But I have to say, as I get older, I don't relish the thought of long haul anymore, especially in economy. Exactly. I was just talking to an Australian friend of mine yesterday, and of course uh, Qantas are going to be operating the Perth to London sector next month in March, uh, non-stop, so that's going to be the best part of 18 hours, non-stop. Is that the sort of flying that would appeal to you at all? Definitely not in economy. If someone would, you know, give me a business class ticket, then sure, I would do it. But I can't imagine people doing that in economy, especially not nowadays with shrinking seats and all of that. Exactly. And I think it's quite nice to have a stopover anyway. And certainly the last time I went to Australia, back in 2004, I went through Singapore and I spent a day in Singapore before I did the next leg of the journey. And that just broke it up quite, quite nicely. But I can't imagine doing it in one. Yes, I think that's actually a, quite a, uh, an attractive uh, proposition. And I think that that's something that I think... Um, is it Iceland Air or Wow Air? One of the two that, that really markets their stopover in Iceland to break up the Europe to the US or vice versa. 
uh, long haul flight. I think that's a really good idea. The other thing that I quite like is the idea, especially going from London City to JFK, you actually go to Shannon first of all and clear US customs there. So you arrive as a domestic flight. And I think they're going to try and do that with the Perth sector as well. So the, if you went from Melbourne or Sydney to Perth, you actually would clear customs there and then you arrive in the UK as a domestic airline without all the queues. That might be quite appealing, even though it's a long flight. <laughs> well, yeah, because the last thing you want after you've done like a 17-hour flight is to stand in an hour-long queue for immigration. <laughs> I think that would be the absolute worst. <laughs> I can't imagine that. And, and of course, the last time I went to the US, that was uh, to Washington, that was a two-hour uh, queue, uh, but they'd improved because in uh, 1994, when I did it in the same airport at Dallas, it was three hours, so they, they've made an improvement. Oh wow, I think my my record is the first time I flew into Newark and that was not that long after 9-11 so I, they had just like increased the security but they hadn't increased the infrastructure for the security <laughs> yet and that was just insane. <laughs> I think this is the thing, it's quite ironic isn't it, that the flying bit is easy, we can do that, we can do 600 miles an hour through the air quite easily. But it's the getting on the plane, the security, the immigration, and it's so draining, isn't it, I think? Oh, absolutely. It does, because, you know, I, I, you know I, love, I love the actual flying. I actually really like it. I even like the food. I mean, I'm that much of an app geek. <laughs> but the whole, the whole circus around it is so off-putting that nowadays, if I can, you know, travel within Europe, I'd rather take a train if, if it's, it's all at all manageable. I'd rather do that than, than fly. I think there's a, a lot, of, lot to be said for that. And some of my industry colleagues, as I call them, um, came from London to Amsterdam on the train this time. Not a direct one, because they're going to be doing that next year, but they did two and, two and a quarter hours to Brussels and then another two hours uh, to Amsterdam. Actually, I have to... Uh have some breaking news for you or, or for your colleagues but the direct Amsterdam to London train has just been postponed to 2020. That's going to be interesting. Why, why is that do you think? Uh, extra security message. Yeah they were planning to do it next year so that would be 2019 so it's a year a year later but um, but that's quite appealing though I think that's going to be four and a half hours yeah. door to door. Yeah if, if they get that one if they get the direct train service from Amsterdam to London up and running, I, I would be on it in a heartbeat. I'd, I'd love that. I can't remember how many flights there are from London to Amsterdam each day, but BA run eight from Heathrow. They run another <clears throat> uh, five, I think, from Gatwick. Then there's London City. Uh, then there's Luton. And then there's Stansted. So actually, I just wonder whether people, for that short hop, might go, do you know what? We'll just go on the train. I think so, yeah. It, it has so many conveniences now, nowadays over flying because, you, you know, you're supposed to be at the airport, like, what is it, two hours before? And then you also have to uh, deal with baggage allowance, the size of your baggage, you know, your, your toiletries, the, the liquid ban and all of that. And you, you have none of that hassle if you just take the train. <laughs> It's the way forward. But as this is an aviation podcast, we should be talking about the plate. <laughs> We're promoting the wrong thing here. <laughs> but actually, there's some realism behind that as well. Anyway, Masha's got to have an early start in the morning, so I don't want her to detain her any longer. Thank you very much indeed, and it was great to meet you again for dinner. Thank you, and it was really nice to meet you.
Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. flyby 5823 trent dane for 23rm manchester with air 6x climb flight level 210 direct to britman's park United 123, maintain 280 knots. Turn to 2DME, turn right onto Bravo, link 21, join Alpha, hold at Mora, Speedbird 472, LOC, DME, approach runway 27 left. Follow the green stand 544. That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 flight simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check Check out the website at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. Well, he's not here, but we're going to say a big thank you to Nev. He's for, in the chat room. Uh, he's in the chat room. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks yeah. to Nev for another awesome segment, as always. It's nice to hear from Masher, isn't it? It is absolutely yeah. yes, and and again, lots of lots of love for the 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 more ec- economic methods of getting around as well to be fair mm. so uh, yeah absolutely again a couple of suggestions in there actually was about uh, uh, perhaps renaming the uk the plane talking uk podcast to the tt uk podcast the train talking the what? uk pass <laughs> the, the train talking <laughs> uk podcast yeah train absolutely steam. yeah yeah tt as in not i don't yet. mind steam trains i love steam trains do you mm. really yeah yeah god you really yeah okay anyway uh, so we've got we so we've got a on. few yes. military stories to get through and uh, then we're going to wrap up things because uh, yep. there's a certain person called pub yep. who's <laughs> waiting for us to go and see him <laughs> right um, okay. so <laughs> if everyone's ready we'll go some military news let's go
So the first military news story this week is... Hang, hang on, stop everything. Uh, Shorty Cosgrove says Emma loves Matt. Emma? I think she's Who's talking about different Matts. Oh, okay. That's it. All my illusions so are shattered. So so anyway, yes, sorry. Anyway, Carry on. So <laughs> the first news story in the military segment is on the stv.tv website. Oh, and I the, beg your pardon. Uh, I know. <laughs> And it's a, 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 a news story that we pick on every now and again uh, in the military segment. It's uh, Royal Air Force intercepts Russian aircraft 99 times in 10 years. Right. Doesn't sound like a lot, does it really? So uh, QR, oh, QRH, uh, Quick Reaction Typhoons at Lossiemouth and Collingsby are on permanent high alert. Uh, quick Reaction Typhoons based at Lossiemouth and Collingsby, uh, which are on high alert and ready to fly in minutes. They regularly intercept Russian bombers and fighters flying close to the UK, although a number of incidents each year has fallen. Russia is uh, the only foreign air force, uh, the Royal Air Force has intercepted planes from for more than a decade. The number of incidents rose dramatically in 2007 when President Vladimir Putin reinstated a policy of carrying out regular long-range patrols. Their particularly training exercises and partly a test of the UK's air defence, as it is understood. The MOD uh, has not considered any of the recent flypaths a threat, and no Russian aircraft have entered UK airspace. However, they do present a potential danger to civilian aircraft, as do their pilots who don't communicate with ATC. The Royal Air Force spokesman said Royal Air Force Typhoon fighters stand ready to scramble to intercept unknown approaching uh, aircraft approaching our shores. Russian or civilian, it matters not to us. The Royal Air Force are responsible for guarding the skies around Britain and this is what we do. There have been at least two incidents so far this year during the most recent Royal Air Force typhoons and French aircraft intercepted two Tu-160 Blackjack bombers near the Shetlands. Uh, in January, two typhoons from RAF Lossiemouth intercepted another pair of blackjacks flying within 35 miles of UK airspace. Royal Air Force fighters have also been scrambled to emergencies involving civilian aircraft 75 times since 2011. And, uh, I mean, this is something that is always going to carry on happening all the while. You know, the, the Russians are going to keep coming over to say hello to us every now and again. Do you think there's a possibility that, that this might all be a bit of a conspiracy and they're actually being invited over? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it makes for great photo opportunities. I mean, some oh, of the photos true. that yeah. are taken of these particular <laughs> meet-ups in the sky uh, yeah, are, are really good, good. Yeah, are really cool very, pictures. Very um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, pretty sure that... Uh, <laughs> People like Dan Hannington and Jonathan mm. Warner would love to be on board these typhoons with a camera in hand. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, anything? Any thoughts on this, Pip? I mean, this is. I mean, it's. I don't know. A part of me gets a bit nervous with all. Because you fly in Russia as well, quite a lot, Pip. So you've obviously um, seen a bit. Yeah, they don't send jets up to intercept us, luckily. Right. No, <laughs> okay. unless That's you're squawking an uh, interesting number. Uh, you know, this is you know this has been going on for decades. Um, if people want to know more, I can highly recommend that they go and find uh, Captain Nick's recent talk at the Royal Aeronautical Society, which is available online. He talks about this very thing and his experience of intercepting these uh, pesky Russians. But you know, it's no big deal. It's um, just the way of the world. And it's been going on for. 40 years at least so I wouldn't get too uh, too worried about it mm. I think yeah. the headline makes it out to be a lot more um, well sensationalised than <laughs> it actually is 99 times in 10 years is, is, 
uh, is oh, quite a low yeah, number. It's, it's on a journalist website at the STV News. Oh. Do you think it was a slow news day? What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so then the, uh, I then rather suspect the pilots quite enjoy this sort of stuff as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, so oh, yeah. It's an excuse to get scrambled, isn't it? For, for the Russians as well, it must be yeah. nice for them to come across and sort of play a bit of cat and mouse with us. Yeah. Tony S. Yeah. in the chat room said that NATO forces regularly fly close to the Russian borders too. Oh, do uh, we? Oh. Yeah. oh, so it's a sort of tip for tat, as it were. Uh, Neil Neil Landwarn has said if they're being invited, they could do an air show. Might even liven up React. Controversial. That would be cool. Well done. The next story then comes from the Notebook Check. Make sure you get this headline right so Matt can hear it, please. And Nev. What's going on? The. <laughs> the headline on this story is Windows 10 is vital to U.S. Air Force preparedness. <laughs> oh dear! Just in case oh you dear. just in case you missed that, uh, Nev, Windows 10 is vital to U.S. Air Force preparedness. That is genuinely the funniest thing I've ever heard not, in my entire not, life. Not it's Mac like, or. It's <laughs> just like like. Like, yeah, anyway, carry great. on there. If, you, carry if on. you want your plane to fall out of the skies because Windows 10 has fallen offline again. <laughs> Any- wow! <laughs> that a- is- anyway, oh, what you were saying. Um, <laughs> ah, wow. So, the US Department of Defense has stated that the United Air- uh, States Air Force <laughs> must ensure that its computers are operating <laughs> Windows 10 by March 31st, 2018. That's only a month and a bit away. A month and a half away. The US Air Force is under strict orders to upgrade all its computer systems to the most secure version of Windows, Windows 10. It's a Windows operating system! There is no such thing as a secure version! Consider how frustrating it is when that OS won't do something it's programmed to do. And you're ready to throw up uh, your laptop. Throw it out of the window, baby. (laughs) Against the wall. Now imagine the same situation, but on a Northrop Grumman B2 Spirit Stealth Bomber. The fact that uh, the USAF is also the specialized arms service in regards to cyber cyber warfare highlights how important the issue actually really is. However, compatibility issues have stricken a large number of machines in the USAF, <laughs> meaning that a huge U.S. Department of Defense purchase order is likely coming soon to replace the computers that can't operate Windows 10. Apparently, the more popular uh, Microsoft uh, OS is not compatible with some of the USAF's existing network, which, is of, cor- which of course could lead to... Com- Potential cyber threats. I'm sorry, we're reading the chat room. I do apologise, Owen. It's just the chat room is coming up with some amazing things. Uh, one of the funniest ones here is uh, Neil Laneone that's saying, uh, "Sorry, your 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 sidewinder side is rebooting now." Uh, it's just like you know, they're going to do it's going to it's going they're going to be in the air. It's going to immediately do a critical Windows update <laughs> while you're flying across the Atlantic, isn't it? You know. Would you like to restart now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. No, 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 no. I've actually got problems. Apologies if the if the the gra- graphics are a little bit juddery today because this is trying to do a Windows update while we're doing oh, the right, show, okay. and so the processor is maxing out, which is just annoying. Yeah, yes, it's anyway. Sorry, so, um, uh, I apologize. You're, you're, you're laughing even more now. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
so we were we said, oh yeah, it could could lead to potential cyber threats. The Air Force has until March thirty first, two thousand eighteen, to bin it and find another one <laughs> to migrate completely to Windows ten. Otherwise, compromise systems. <laughs> four oh four missile not found. Four oh four error. Sorry. <laughs> be barred or quarantined from the Air Force network. This could be costly for the military, with the DoD having to dip into its half a trillion dollar budget. Oh, perish the thought. Wow. Uh, Windows 10 operates on an estimated 600 million computers worldwide. It is important for the USAF to upgrade its systems to reduce the threat of hacking, which older operating systems are more subsessed. Subsessed. <laughs> subsessed. Oh, somebody will have to say this word. What's that? How much Malibu have you had? Just out of interest, I should just I should just point out that our guests have been consuming Malibu since since uh, mm. Nev's passenger experience. Oh yeah, started. definitely. They're, it's definitely loosened things up. I think. <laughs> anyway, Sus- 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 susceptible. Susceptible. Oh, yes. that's right. the word. Yes. Okay. Good. Very good. Um, susceptible. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there, Owen. <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> For example, the infamous WannaCry attack of 2017 was particularly brutal on th- the thousands of computers that used uh, by the UK's National Health Service. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Richard Adams just said, it's all right, it'll all be fine. There's always safe mode. There is yeah. always safe yeah. mode. <laughs> That's Minecraft mode, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Neil has suggested we rebeat Owen. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I'm running on Windows 10. Where's, where's Owen's control alt delete buttons? Uh, it's not somewhere that, I, that anybody can go without oh, okay. a, a, a warrant, okay. frankly. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, particularly brutal uh, on computers used by the NHS in the UK, which, was, which still mostly relied on Windows XP at the time. Yep, absolutely. Well, and there's Windows a very good X- reason, all jokes aside, there is a very good reason why actually most operating systems, uh, most like business computers and things are still running Windows XP. And that's purely because it it's, was, better. it's about the only time that Microsoft ever got it right. Mm. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, I use Windows 10, I literally use it every single day. But there are so, I mean, I, I have so many problems like that are Windows 10 related I quite like Windows um, so 7. That was a good one, too. It was a good and, one, yeah, actually. I've got a 7. Yeah. This, yeah, this does absolutely. really well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, there are issues from for, for what we do. There are issues mm. with using Windows 7 over Windows 10. And believe it or not, uh, the video graphics, uh, because the broadcast tower was originally on... on I, I downgraded it to Windows 7 when we were having some problems once, thinking that maybe that was the reason why. And actually, we found that the graphics was very juddery. Um, went back to Windows 10 and it's just because the technology has improved and, and you know refresh rates and all that kind of thing are much much better now when it comes to cameras and, and all that kind of thing so I'm just there are two schools of thoughts on this one the main one is security because the problem is Windows 7 is no longer supported so if there are any security fault holes if you like that are found uh, they will no longer plug them that that's the long and the short of it so if you're using windows 7 you definitely shouldn't be using windows 7 uh, for um uh, windows 7 is okay i think isn't it because that's still being supported but windows xp for example shouldn't be used if you're doing like online banking and things like that Mm. because the security updates security updates and things like that so uh, but i don't think we have long before windows 7 is going to stop being service you know windows 8 service is already oh that's rubbish i know but i think that's the worst operating system anyway so on the last story then who's going to take the last story do you want this one marla or yeah Mm -hmm. okay 
Oh, my mouse. There we go. It's from davidsthehub.net. Ralph was. Oh, Windows 7 out of support in two weeks, I believe, Richard Adams is saying. So, yeah. Mm. So, seriously, guys, if you have got Windows 7 you do, and you are using your computer for online banking, you do need to look at your options seriously because it is a massive security flaw. Sorry, it's got nothing anyway. to do with aviation, I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah, we were anyway. on the Davids yeah. Hub. The Davids Hub. Yeah. This is a, this is so, a, this is a Royal Australian Air Force uh, story, mm-hmm. Marla. So, do it in so Australian Ralph, Ralph wraps up <laughs> red flag eighteen one. Nellis Air Force Base, Nevada, I think, United States. Sorry, I don't know my Nevada. No, that's right, Nevada. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's bang on. Yeah, right. So, as red flag eighteen one, the U.S. Air Force three-week premier air-to-air combat training exercise comes to an end. Nearly 300 Royal Australian Air Force, RAF personnel, and multiple aircraft will soon be making the 8,000-mile trek home. As the pinnacle of advanced air warfare training, Red Flag provided crucial joint training opportunities for the RAF, said Group Captain Tim Alsop, Deputy Exercise Director and RAF Task Group Commander. Red Flag 18-1 allowed us to test our high-end missions as well as build trust and friendships that allow us to be far more effective far more quickly set else up we use this training as a culmination of offensive roles defense defensive roles and everything down to niche capabilities like personal recovery personnel recovery <coughs> personal recovery okay mm-hmm. one rough unit that received unmatched training opportunities was the control and reporting center crc staff which included air surveillance operators, air combat officers, and intelligence specialists who control and separate the red flag aircraft, as well as ensure safe and expeditious flow of the exercise aircraft in and out of the Nevada test and training range, said Wing Commander Brett Ristrom, 114th Mobile Control and Reporting Unit Commanding Officer. The CRC provides the air battle management of the entire air war, said Ristrom. All aircraft participating in the red flag utilize the RAF control and reporting center. In addition to the CRC getting in-depth training from the red flag 18-1, all RAF units benefit from the realistic combat scenarios during the exercise. We gain so much as an organization in terms of how we train and also how we operate as a deployed force in a multinational environment, said Alslop. This includes the range of air power roles for our Air Force personnel from air superiority and strike, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance to electronic warfare. It provides a comprehensive training environment for aircrew maintenance and support personnel alike. Among the RAF fleet was an E-7A Wedgetail Airborne Early Warning and Control Aircraft, EA-18G Growlers, and an AP-3C Orion. Sorry, I've been reading the chat room while she's reading that. Is that every, everybody's been saying, where is Captain Al when you need him? Uh, <laughs> anyway, Pip, sorry. Pip says that you have a lovely voice, by the way, Myla. Indeed, yes. Uh, yeah. More Myla, less Al. Well, yeah. well, so l- last year yeah. at Riyadh, there was one of these, actually, they're all, uh, the, uh, the uh, RAAF, had, uh, they had one of these at uh, Riyadh last year, the E7A wedge tail, and I got to uh, have a look around, which is really Did awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'm just going to very quickly, sorry, while, while we, I know I'm going to get told off for this but we were talking about the um, 
the uh, Windows 7 support thing. Just just to clarify, because I looked it up while we were doing it, the uh, Microsoft won't end security updates on the Windows 7 PC until January the 14th, 2020. For those using Windows 7 machines, uh, Microsoft is ending mainstream support for the operating system today. Ooh. So, so mainstream. By support, I mean like if you have to phone up and say, "Excuse me, Microsoft, I can't get this to work. Please help me." Um, but actual security updates, you've got till 2020, basically, before they do it. Anyway, sorry, that's fine. And uh, ATC Ben, who's in the chat room, has said that uh, it might be the last time the AP3C goes over. We are gearing up for the P8 now, okay. which is yeah, the new yeah. one, which is quite Absolutely. smart. Yeah, hopefully we're um, moving off on subject now into the next sort of last bit of the show. Mm. Uh, we were having a bit of a discussion, me, uh, Matt, and Nev during the week, mm. and uh, it looks pretty 100% um, confident that we will definitely be attending Farnborough okay. this year in July. Um, Riyadh, kind of 50-50 on the fence at the moment whether we'll be attending Riyadh. I think I'm going to try mm. and get to Riyadh this year because um, it is, the is a so long close together, way isn't it? away well, it's not as well. Even that. They're, they're so close to each other. They're yeah, they're a week apart yeah, actually this exactly, year. Yeah. But we will definitely have, be doing um, Farnborough. Have the APG gang declared their hand yet as to which um, uh, one they're Je going uh, to? Jeff and Steph, I mean Steph's in the chat room, but I think the guys are talking about maybe attending both air shows this year, Rio and Farnborough. Wow. Um, but we'll see. We'll kind of get uh, get our heads together with those guys and mm. see what uh, what the uh, lay of the land is as such. But uh, well, there are a few other air shows this year that me, Matt, and Nev have said that we're going to attend, which we haven't attended before. Mm. Uh, one of those is the Cold War Jets Day at Bruntingthorpe, oh, uh, yep, nice. which is going to be awesome. We're going to go to that one this year. Yeah. That um, is a really good day out. Yeah, the yeah. I've got, really uh, I've got I've got a couple of contacts there. I'm going to get in touch with uh, this week and uh, arrange for us to uh, to hopefully do a live show from there, which okay. is going to be really good. Uh, and there's also Sounds the like usual. We need to fire up the satellite. Then. Yes, yeah, yeah. we do. <laughs> um, there's also a couple of other uh, air shows around. I think there's one at High Wycombe, which uh, I think we're going to go to okay. as well, which is right on Nev's doorstep. Um, so hopefully yeah. we'll be attending the uh, the air day at High Wycombe, but we'll be posting some bits and pieces mm. on social media, Facebook and that, to, so everyone will know where we're going to be going this year for oh, the air shows. Once again, uh, we mentioned it last week, uh, Pip, while you're here, I don't know if you heard our little announcement, we're going to try and do a bit of a meet-up. One of the things that was mentioned at the 200th is that, that everybody was talking about wanting to do a meet-up, and the idea was muted that we actually do it uh, coming to our part of the world, so I wondered if you wanted to fire up your little Piper Alpha thingy, and um, yeah, so it's the Saturday, the 18th of August, is when we're planning to do a meetup. That's Saturday, the 18th Ooh, right, of in the August, um, and uh, we we still haven't quite decided which airfield it is that we're going to arrive at, um, but it, it'll be very close to where we are. So it, we're not sure whether it's going to be Beckles or, or Seeding at the moment. We're we're busy. Uh, negotiating. Not sure if my little pipe has got enough range to get all the way out to uh, to you. No, because you live uh, so far from <laughs> civilization. <Yeah. laughs> well, Al managed it. <laughs> yeah, but, we've uh, only yeah. just got running water here. It's just well, that uh, is true. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, that is true. So yeah, so anybody who wants who who would like to uh, to come along, then obviously please do uh, 
bung us an email. It's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, as I say, it's Saturday the 18th of August. And if you'd like to come along, ping us an email um, just to sort of register your interest. Because uh, obviously we need to do, we need to get an idea of numbers so that we can arrange mm. transport to get you from here to, uh, from where you are to where we're going to record the show or, or whatever. Mm. So we, we just got to work out logistics. And that will depend very much on numbers. So yeah, if you would like to come to our meetup on the 18th of August, then it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, get in touch and uh, we'll keep you in the loop in regard to what's happening. Yeah. So, Pip, are you flying your Piper, Piper down here? Yeah, I could do. Uh, hopefully. Um, August is a long way away. Do you know, I've got a funny feeling I'm working that week because I'm off for the last two weeks of August. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, it's a long well, way off. If you are flying up, maybe I can uh, bust it up to, to uh, Cranfield and um, maybe fly over yeah, with you. Yeah, you and Nev come across and we'll... Um, and we'll hop across on the old Pipjet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. The green, like green flying machine, as I call it. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. We do have some breaking news as well. Oh, uh, uh, apparently, uh, Nev, uh, Mr. Bounds, has brought a new muff. Right. Uh, good news, everyone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. Just so you all know. Right. Good. Like well, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Anyway, so social media links. Don't forget you can uh, find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and you can find us on the website, www.plaintalkinguk.com. Yep. If you want to support the show, there's a Patreon link on there or PayPal link. You can support the show uh, with any donation. We don't care what it is. It could be a 2p to 2 million p's. Uh, also, if you use uh, <laughs> Amazon, if you use Amazon for your shopping, oh, yes, I do. On, our, on our website, we do have a special link. Um, if you shop, for for Amazon goods using the link on the website they actually pay us a small referral fee essentially so it's like an advertising link so it doesn't cost you anything at all uh, but we do get a donation and Amazon is great for buying wires and leads and all that kind of thing so yeah, uh, yeah if you're happy to, to use the link that would just be uh, amazing as I say awesome. you can find all those details on www.plaintalkinguk.com yeah. and don't forget you can also go on our website and get yourself one of our awesome PTUK t-shirts Myla has just got her one there yes, it's just behind indeed. It's just behind her there. Myla's got her PTUK T-shirt. There we go. I mean, we couldn't ask for a better model, really. I know no, Matt, Matt does a very good job for us from St. Caton, but yes. there we go. Myla with her PTUK T-shirt. That's there. You can go on the website and purchase one of those for indeed. yourself. There we go. Sent out to you quick as possible. Indeed. So there we go. Absolutely. And coming very soon, as I announced last week, uh, a very nice range in PTUK mugs will mm. be coming later on this year. So, so uh, we're going to say a massive thanks to Captain Al. We know he's disappeared. He's uh, gone to sleep, bless him. He's been flying all around the world everything today. But uh, uh, thanks so to Al for joining us. Indeed. And, and also and Pip. Pip. The lovely the lovely Pip. What, what, have, what have you got to look forward to this week? Where are you off to? Uh, well, I've got a nice easy day tomorrow, I think. Um, relatively early start, but just one flight across to Madrid, and then I'm going to have the rest of the day to see Madrid. Chill out, I suppose. Yeah, oh, go and wow. maybe go downtown and have a look around Madrid. Fantastic. Do you know? So, I mean, it's just I know there are lots of very un unglamorous things about aviation, but Pip, sometimes your job it must be horrible. I realise that, but there must be times where you just think there are not many cooler jobs than this. Yeah, it has its moments sometimes, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Just I know, I just love how it's just like, oh, we're just going. <laughs> so where are you at the moment? I'm in Bratislava at the moment. Bratislava. Okay, and, and Bratislava that's somewhere near Slovakia. Edinburgh, did we discover? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. It's in Slovakia. It's a lovely city. Is it? Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I dare really say nice. you also end up going to places that you'd never in a million years have even considered to go, like or on holiday about. and things like that. Or even, as you say, or as Owen says, even Noah. Yeah, well, I went to Norwich a couple of times. Now look, Blimey, <laughs> 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 they let you in there. Hi- highly yeah. offensive. That's yes, that, and that's why it's an international airport hey, look, because Pitt to, flew in there. The, I took him to the murderers. Yeah, I took well, him into well. a really good pub. No, yeah. I just, I really enjoy Norwich, actually. It's a lovely, nice stop. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Good. You're, you're Come correct see us answer. again then, Pip. Well done, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so fingers crossed then, Pip. If you can if you can squeeze us in, it'd be great to see you on the 18th. But, and before so. you go, Pip, where can people find out about your Ooh. show? Yes, indeed. Oh, uh, uh, plainsafetypodcast.com. I recorded, I must tell you, I recorded an episode yesterday um, and started listening to it back to edit it, only to find that it was totally unusable. Oh no! Oh, oh yeah, no. Um, oh, I oh. truly stuffed it up, so that's uh, in the bin, I'm afraid. Oh, oh dear, that is a shame. I'll, I'll maybe try again tomorrow when I've got some time in Madrid. Okay. Okay. Cool. And Myla, mm-hmm. what can we say? Thank you for coming to join us here. I've had a lovely time, and I can't wait to head for the pub. Yeah, the pub. See, <laughs> yeah, you're well, trying to well. Yeah, also, also, thank you very much for this shirt, and thank you very much for the other shirt, and for the lovely dinner and all the things. So. Anyway, that is where we're going to be episode number two hundred and something or other. Uh, what number are we up to? Uh, two hundred and <laughs> uh, okay, two hundred five next week. Yeah, no, it's episode two hundred and five <laughs> next I, week. Of I the meant show. more what it is now, but anyway, there we are. So it's uh, yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to bring episode number two hundred and four to a close. So from yeah. all of us here in the studio and. And, Thanks, everyone. Have a great Pip, weekend. He's had literally the best Wi-Fi connection I think he's ever had uh, ever since he's joined us, like ever. Yeah, uh, that's true. Because <laughs> oh, it hasn't is. broken up once. Picture and audio has been fantastic, Pip. Well done. It's been A1 all the way through. So uh, well done to your hotel. A round of applause for please. Uh, <laughs> and to the Safe Jets uh, bookings. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. Yes. Absolutely. Ten well, they only book them into the Hilton Hotel, you know. Well, oh, right. right. Yes, indeed. It's the Radisson, actually, tonight. Oh, oh, is it? Oh, very good. Oh, oh, a bit of quality. This is what we like to hear. There we go. And also, big thanks before we go to everyone who's joined us in the live so chat people, room yeah. on YouTube tonight thanks for taking time out on your Friday to join us on the show and again as always thanks to everyone who downloads the show every week via Indeed. iTunes and yeah. all the other different podcasts 205 is next week obviously not 100% sure as to what time I'm, I'm assuming Friday but that may have to change once we've had our discussion but from all of us here it is my great pleasure to say thank you for joining us goodbye everyone goodbye Bye. goodbye <laughs> Woo-hoo.